0: This
1: podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxe edition
2: Bev's Video Kingdom is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Bev's Video Kingdom really is brought to you by. What the fuck? <laughs> What's up, dude?
3: One of my renters broke the toilet again. That dude takes giant shits. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Why
0: don't you hire a property management company or something to take care of that stuff?
3: Because they suck, and they take 10%.
0: You know, our dude Hank owns and manages Heritage Realty Partners. I think he said he only charges 5% and he visits each property at least once a month.
3: That's right. He's always posting beers from the road. You have his number?
0: Actually, I do. His personal number is 805-451-5734. Perfect.
3: Now he can deal with my renter's big shits.
0: Heritage Realty Partners
3: for all your property management and investment needs. Attention troops, are you tired of bland rations ruining your battlefield experience? Well fear not, introducing Foo Bar, the hilarious military nutrition bar that will have you laughing all the way to victory. Inspired by the chaos of World War II and armed with a sense of humor, Foo Bar is the secret weapon that will keep your taste buds entertained while keeping you f- fueled for action.
0: I thought nothing could make me smile in the midst of war, but then I discovered Foo Bar. It's like a party in my
1: mouth. Even in the most intense battles, I'd sneak a bite of Foo Bar, and it would instantly lift my spirits. Those were some seriously funny
3: flavors. That's right, folks. Foobar is not your ordinary nutrition bar. It's a comedy show for your taste buds. With flavors that will have you in stitches. Whether you're dodging bullets or swapping jokes... With your comrades, Foobar is there to add some much-needed laughter to the battlefield. It's the taste that keeps on tickling.
0: I'll never forget the time I shared a bar with my squad. We laughed so
3: hard the enemy thought we were nuts. Best morale booster ever. So, fellow soldiers, don't let the seriousness of war get you down. Embrace the laughter with Foobar and turn every battlefield into a comedy club. FUBAR the hilarious nutrition bar that kept our troops smiling during world war ii order yours now and taste the punchline of victory with every bite (laughs) Uh, good good and delicious
0: it's crazy
1: BVK, no how y'all doing, folks? It is just a few days before the Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, um, we're going to go ahead and give some respect to Uh, Those who have served our country and, uh, you know, fallen in combat. Uh, And on our Memorial Day, we're going to drop the movie Saving Private Ryan, um, one of the most famous war movies of all time. That's what we're going to be talking about this week. And just let me start off with a little alert here that while we might have things to say about this movie, we are in no way or shape or form going to take away from the the uh, sacrifices that the veterans have done in uh, all of the wars that the united states has fought so if we are critical of this movie it is completely about this movie it's not about the american troops or anything like that or any of the uh the things that world war ii veterans went through so mm-hmm. just want to throw that out there so that you understand that this is a a podcast that gets loose and fun and uh, while we are tackling a very serious movie um our criticisms of that movie are specific to that rather than our criticisms of anything going on with uh what our troops have done in the past so does that make sense to y'all it's possible i may have watched the wrong movie because i watched saving ryan's privates oh fuck Is that- <laughs> those troops are having a grand old time <laughs>
3: There were definitely some fallen soldiers. Right? There's, there's
0: a lot of bayonet, bayonet sticking in that one.
1: A storm
3: oh, on a different kind of beach. Right? Oh boy! Oh boy! See, that's what we're saying.
1: We're gonna play a little loose and fast that's with right. this, and, and we mean no disrespect to any uh, veterans or, or anybody that's lost anybody in any war. Of course not. So
3: does that mean I'm not allowed to criticize the armed forces at all? Like, am I prohibited? No, we can we can have. Are you, trying to censor are you trying to censor my first amendment rights? Or? Elon Musk, he called me earlier and he's like, dude, just you know. Chill so with I'm that. just saying. Oh god. I'm just saying I got rights. <laughs> you know what? And you know what? Paradoxically, they fought and died for my right to criticize them. This so, is true. That is fact. This is true. All, All right, right,
1: folks, we are doing the movie Saving Private Ryan. Um, uh, but before we get to that, we've got a qu- few things to talk about a few few interesting things There's to talk some about
0: excitement in the air
1: first off we are part of the deluxe edition <laughs> network and the deluxe edition network is a community of podcasters who uh have a variety of topics they talk about all sorts of different things you've got sports you've got comedy you've got true crime you've got uh just shooting the shit you've got a lot of drinking going on and the pods of the month for the deluxe edition network are the horsing around podcast as well as our friends in oakdale The Real Drunks, uh, that is Jake, that is Matt, that is Alyssa. They are great people. Listen to their pods, enjoy them, spread the love, share it on your socials that the Deluxe Edition Network has the greatest pods in the history of mankind. A person kind. Whatever kind. <laughs> Whatever kind. Whatever kind. kind Alien kind. kind.
2: <laughs> <Or Scott. laughs>
3: um So, are, are, aren't you also doing something coming up here, Scotchback? Scotchback? Yeah, I right. see a little twinkle so, in your eye. Speaking of Oakdale,
0: California. Scotchy mm, claws. Yeah. Your brother's band is going to be playing in Oakdale at Dying Breed on June 24th. And I'm very excited because he's going to let me play in his band.
1: Oh my god! I'm awesome. totally going to hack your guys' like Spotify and stuff, <laughs> and just change the name from Flying Blind, Flying Blind, parentheses Brad Brothers Band, and just oh, let it good. let it work. Yeah, you guys actually, might get some more listens.
0: It's funny we were, we were talking about it today. Um, we we're doing some group text talking about ticket sales and all that stuff. And like Keith's like, because I was I'm doing all the socials and all that stuff, and uh, Keith's like, yeah, we should give Scott like five percent of the the ticket sales for doing all this work or whatever. And I'm like, guys, look, I'm just trying to make some extra money for you guys, you know, for my friends. Oh, by the way, the name is Scotch Beck's Flying Blind now.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there you go.
0: But yeah, no, Flying Blind, uh, we are playing uh, June 24th. Um, and ticket sales, I mean, as we're recording this, you know, today, and, and this is a, a week or so before it airs, they could be sold out by the time you hear this. I don't know. But uh, there'll be tickets at the door. And uh, it's going to be great. I mean, it's, and,
3: it, get, there's 500 tickets total for sale. Right. And that is going to sell out. I mean, think right. about what that show is going to be They're like. They're half gone as of today. At, at Dine Breed is a great venue. Yeah. It's gonna, it, the show is going to be fucking awesome. Well,
1: what I'm saying is, folks, some of you might be thinking, oh, I've seen Flying Blind before. And that's like... You know what? I'm I'm looking at Scotch right now and there's a sparkle in his eye and it's not just cuz he's getting laid a bunch right now but it's it's he's I think excited. I think that, I think Flying Blind feels right now like this is a show to just really they're going to just kind of just waggle their dicks a little bit. They're like we are still a badass band that can rock the house and well, yeah, that's what what you guys are planning? We on haven't
0: doing. had a, a like a public show like this for a while and uh it, dude, it's we're excited. We're going to pull out some uh some surprises and and play some some crazy covers like you know, we we've done some shit in the past that people are like, Wow, you guys play that? Okay.
1: And it's uh, a twenty one and over show, so yeah. again, there's not gonna be any children present. So flying blind when there's no children present, you, you never loose. know what the fuck might happen. Like Can it,
2: I just can I just say just very quickly I know oh, this shit, are, is this guy back from hey. show? Oh, exactly. hey. this is this is Zach. I've I've oh, I've, I've, I've watched myself back, and I'm back. Zach. I just have to say that this isn't a visual medium, but Scott's beard is so trim so and crumbed. like nice right now. It's, it's like, kind of pointy, but not, not even too Scotchy pointy.
0: Scotchy-clawsy. It, like, these uh, guys are fucking looking at me right now. All three of them are staring at me. It's really <laughs> fucking awkward. It's <laughs> like I
2: usually call you Scotchy-clawsy, but I'm going to start calling you daddy claws, My oh. 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 fucking beard oh. is looking
3: oh. tight oh.
0: Right I now. got something oh. in my sack for you, buddy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> all right, so uh, we got Flying Blind. and
1: Yes, get your tickets on Eventbrite.com. If you search for Flying Blind Event bright dying breed. You put those words into a Google search, you're gonna get pointed towards those tickets if they are available. You know how and some how, how, re- re- how restaurants have Michelin stars and like it's mm-hmm. like worth the trip
0: to to go to this, this restaurant. That's how you get a Michelin star. Well, I'm giving you the guarantee. This is worth the plane flight. So if you listen to this and you're in Ohio or wherever, it's worth the plane ticket. I'm putting my guarantee on that right now. I, I promise
1: oh. you, this is a, a legit professional band, folks. We're not talking about some like they've played a garage or a wedding here and there. These these guys have been playing together for, for twenty plus years. They are just savages and
2: don't bury the lead they play played a lot of garages and weddings too yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the garage, little garage rock.
0: so what else do we got going on something in august is happening isn't it brad speaking oh, of garages
1: oh yeah if you if you like karate in the garage and i believe you all do especially if you've been to last call brewing um f- uh, the bvk crew is going to be hosting the second annual motherfucking Catalina wine mixer at the State Theater in Modesto. Mm. This is a crazy event, folks. You're going to be watching the classic movie Step Brothers, but you're also going to get fed some delicious sushi, some hors d'oeuvres. You're going to get some great drinks from Last Call Brewing, from Dying Breed Brewing, from other breweries, as well as other wineries. That's a wine mixer, so you got to some have some motherfucking wine. motherfucking Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be... say
2: Will Farrell's going to be there, but he might be there. Uh, uh, you know you, what? You never know. You heard it here.
1: It, it could happen. It could happen. Anything can happen at the motherfucking <laughs> Catalina Wine Mixer. <laughs> it's very and, possible. And I will say this, that there's going to be an opera singer maybe performing something from the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, there's going to be some trivia contests. There might be some merch giveaways. If they set up a drum set, I'll do the drum solo. Shit. Yeah, oh. shit. I don't give a shit. I'll throw my fucking ball sack on the drums. I don't give a <laughs> shit. <laughs> so. That's
2: actually a way to dampen the sound to make it, uh, to make it yeah, a little it crispier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, and you know done it.
1: it. When you got BBK in charge, it's going to be silly. There's going to be some some craziness. It's going to be a lot of alcohol flowing. Um, Get a driver because you're probably going to be going home fucked up or you you might have an incident in the bathroom. You know? Who knows what's going to happen? It could
2: happen. happen. You might get dysentery. (laughs)
3: I was thinking more of getting laid, but you know okay. that that kind you of know, shit we, might go down. We Zach's coming off a, a lot of uh, unpleasant a, bathroom it's, time. It's, it's a PTSD you know, right now. Straight, when you <laughs> talk about bathroom, <laughs> room, I just fucking think
1: about shit—just <laughs> uh, <laughs> exploding toilets. <laughs> uh, all right. So, is that all of our house cleaning? Pretty much, I think. I don't
3: think that's house cleaning. I, I, can we also just throw a quick in? If you're a new listener to Baz Video Kingdom. Do we do- oh yeah, Hi do we- new people. Hi, N- nice to see you.
0: We're nice. Tell, tell your kids
3: to us. listen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you see if you can get your elementary school kids hooked like you like you were giving them cigarettes.
1: Yeah. Bring just- them to the motherfucking Catalina Wine Mixer. Let's see what
3: happens. Uh, yeah, but if you're new, if you're new, you know, share us on your on your socials. Join us on our socials. Text us to your friends. Don't just tell them. You know, find that little link button. Subscribe put us in your, you know, share the little linky in your little text messages. And if you're
2: a young kid out there that's just starting to listen and you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan yet, just search in your Google bar, Saving Ryan's Privates, search and uh, check it out and then listen to the rest
3: of the podcast because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) <laughs> so anyway if you're new listeners welcome uh go check out our if you want to know why we're called bez video kingdom go check out the little intro ditty that we've got back mm-hmm. there somewhere all our episodes are are kind of evergreens you know you pick pick movies you like and you know draft categories you like and go li- go watch them you know you don't even have to go in the right order you can go backwards if you want mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. some people like to go in reverse
2: definitely i like to back up to stuff
1: <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: toilets. like toilets, like toilets. <laughs> All right,
1: or his backyard, or uh, you know, anything, hey, anywhere Brad, he can
3: spew. Hey, Brad, what are you? Uh, what are we?
1: What are we? What are we talking about tonight? Uh, we're talking about the movie Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. Um, this is crazy. Hanks. We we talked about we're going to bring the the Mister Hanks into this pod because we we had done him no service yet, and being a a uh, being Northern Californians. And the fact that Tom Hanks is a, a true blue Northern Californian—have I told my? Sorry, what, what do you mean? Where's he from? Yeah, where's he from? He's from—he's well, from
2: Piedmont. Have I told my story about Tom Hanks yet? Look at that—he just
1: dropped it. Wow. Like, what? You
2: <laughs> motherfuckers! <laughs> no, tell you us. guys
1: didn't know he's Northern Californian. I didn't so, know that.
2: So, so, quick story, and I may get—I may get a tiny, tiny bit of the details wrong, but this is the way that I remember it. So, my mom's from Oakland, California, and her mom my grandmother was the uh like you know the lady that is in the office that like does attendance and like you would go and like talk to her if you were late the attend- or something like the that attendance lady. Yeah, yeah 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 so she's like in the <coughs> office at the at I, I believe skyline high school i'm not positive what high school might be piedmont high school but her ta my grandmother's ta was tom hanks tommy hanks isn't that fucking Little tommy cool? He attended Skyline. In o- there you go. See, I got Oakland. it fucking right. Skyline, did, did, did,
3: Skyline did, High School. Was he the one that like would like run messages to the? Yeah, exactly. And stuff? She
2: was like Tommy, come here, and he was like, "Hello." <laughs> 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 I
3: got to go to the
2: principal's office.
4: <laughs> uh,
2: but that's a true story. My grandma was. My grandma worked in the office at Skyline High School, and uh, Tom Hanks was her TA. So that's that's, uh, that's a fucking connection right there.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. So yeah, we wanted to bring Tommy Hanks back and, and we've got uh, just recently we did Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump, <laughs> and now we're doing Good old Saving Private Ryan. And I, I would call, call this an event movie, right? This is a what would you consider an event movie where it's like, you kind of like almost pump yourself up to go to. You're like, oh fuck, I'm going to see Saving Private Ryan. Like this is, like as the as the word started to spread, like this movie is intense as fuck. Yeah, I remember being told like, oh my god, it's so heavy and like so crazy.
2: And then when I actually went and watched it, I was, I came out of the like the first scene like I was still sitting in my chair, obviously, and I was like, holy shit, like this is fucking
3: wild. So I had, I had heard specific. So I actually. Really remember the conversation mostly just being about the the first thirty minutes, right? Yeah, exactly. I I don't. It wasn't that it was a negative commentary on the rest of the movie. It was just like the entire conversation was this first thirty minutes might be the most intense realistic 30 minutes yeah. of any film right. ever, you know, on any topic. Well, there's, right? all, it was there, just,
0: there's all kinds of news stories about veterans not being able to handle it. And it right. was too realistic.
1: The Department of Defense actually set up like a veterans, like hotline for folks. To, how like, could you, if
2: you had like lived through that, how could you watch that scene and be cool? Like, right. I don't think it's possible. I mean, I obviously wasn't there and it fucking, it's wild to me yeah. to watch. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't understand how you could. A, think, like, I'm going to go see this movie and then B, watch it and be okay. I just – fuck, man.
1: And especially, I mean, without, like, you don't get – I mean, you obviously see Tom Hanks' face. You see a, a couple familiar faces maybe if you're if you're into to movies. You, you kind of see, a, oh, I know that guy. I know that guy. But as soon as it starts, it's just soldiers. And, it, like, right. it, it could be like you're just there with a bunch of soldiers and you have no clue who these people are. No emotional investment. And you immediately are like, what the fuck is going on? Like, these people are just – how did anybody even ever do this? Like when they open that the
2: very first time when they open yep. that
1: little drawbridge thing down and, the, and
2: like forty dudes just get killed and you're mowed like
0: down. Oh <laughs> shit! Yeah,
2: yeah. And, yeah and then, they spent,
0: then they show the, the the view from the the turret and actually they just show them just like. Yeah. yeah, it's just right there in front of them, and all I gotta do is aim right at it. It's and just a, fucking yeah. It's, yeah. it's like literally, so it's, so like, so it's so like a
3: horrible good. video game, right? like, yes. like yeah. really, I mean, that's it. Looks like, like that. An, we're and, and, easy and you're like, fucking going on, video like
0: game. How, how could that be the plan? Like, we're gonna roll up on these little, slow little boats, <laughs> and there's gonna be
1: machine guns pointed all over the beach. And yeah, here you go. Just, we'll, low, we'll lower the door just <laughs> yeah. nice and slow,
3: and just so our heads but it, are just popped up. In that sense, you're like, how did this work? I mean, it worked,
2: but it's like, but it's like when you watch it, you're thinking, like. This was the plan. Like, is this yeah. really the fucking plan? Because we had planes, right? I don't understand. No, they
1: bombarded you know. the beach like crazy. Like, yeah, this, this, they is, did, this, right? And 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 some of it wasn't as successful. Uh, there's certain beaches where people just legitimately walked on. Oh, okay. Um, the, 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 the Normandy invasion was was many multiple locations where yeah. they were they were landing. Omaha, Utah Beach were the two where it was like the A craziest. Yeah. Um, I
2: mean,
1: but there's many beaches crazy. where they they basically landed with very little. Um, um, fighting it all. So, so I think they, they did a really
0: good job showing the scope and how big it was, but I, I have a feeling it was a lot bigger as far as like, it was just numbers that you, you think, like, how could they get through there? And there's certain shots where it, it almost looks like, oh, there's only one boat in that little area. I, yeah. I think there's probably a lot more um, that they just so they they still have like fifteen hundred extras or something. On they this, get out of the water of quick.
2: Thing. I felt yeah. like I felt like the getting out of the water was the toughest part. I mean, from For there sure. it's like I don't know, man. It was fucking wild. It's a wild ride. Just the very first scene is a wild ride. I was kind of like full disclosure. I was doing other stuff sort of while I was watching it, but as soon as that like first scene hit, like I stopped what I was doing mm-hmm. and watched it all the way until they cut back and they're doing the. Where they're sending the letters to the right. people, yeah. Like, right.
1: It's like it's a hard twenty-five
2: Man, minutes or whatever it is thirty well, minutes. Yeah.
3: And, it, and it's it's you know it's one of those things where this is where the the movie making, tra- the, where, where the where the where the directing and the movie making here really change. It, it takes it to a whole, whole other level, right? Because you know and you hear right how bloody it was, and there are ways you could shoot this scene that would be impactful, but it wouldn't be what it is right like you could imagine you just you just even even just imagine that, that the view the entire scene was 15 or 20 minutes that was mostly from the turret right I mean that's kind of horrific but if you really think about it that's only horrific because you keep jumping back to the perspective. In different perspectives, right? You see the view coming off of, of it. You see the view from underwater. Mm-hmm. You see the view of people that are that you know, you, you sort of like from laying in the beach, right? So it puts you in the position of having you, you can't avoid the discomfort of imagining yourself in the situation. And that's what makes it impactful, right? It's not the grand it's not the grand lot loss of life. It's not the sort of, you know, brutality with which the killing is happening, it's the just outright dread that you are put your put into of the idea that like everyone is dying around you. And if I'm sitting here looking at this, I got, I'm thinking in the moment, my odds of making, making it here are just effective. So not only that, not only your odds, like extremely low, but like the,
2: the part that is insane to me is the people that continue to push forward and don't just curl up and fucking are like, all right, we're fucked. You know what I mean? Like it's just,
3: yeah how do you how do you what do you do insurmountable
2: what is odds at a couple of times where you 're just like okay like they 're just shooting you 're just sitting there and you 're just getting shot, and right. everyone you know is getting shot
1: all around you like what 's your option? jump back in the ocean and like swim away i don't know what you do, <laughs> but like
2: and you see sort you're of some different perspectives you know? where you see yeah. like the Tom Hanks and his buddy character where the, where like they 're still trying to push forward and they have a plan kind of, and they 're trying to figure out what 's going on, and then you see like Giovanna Rubisi and he 's just like, Fuck we're fucked, you know what I mean yeah. and like I, I thought they did a good job of kind of showing the way that different people sort of react in that situation, which, you know, I mean, I I say this about the military all the time. is that I am so fucking glad that there are people that can do that kind of thing because I'm not fucking one of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know, like, I would just be paralyzed with fear in that type of situation. And it's fucking amazing to me. And I fucking I will always, you know give props to the people that do the things that they do for the military police all of that shit firemen all all of that kind of stuff is just absolutely amazing to me that people would like like uh like uh you know our guests will tell us later like just that that put duty ahead of themselves you know what i mean they know that what they're gonna do is important and that it has to be done and somebody's got to do it and that's just fucking insane to me
3: all right, so I gotta, I gotta moving it back to the bigger movie, Scott. I want to get your take on this, just, just ran at random, but okay. I'm curious. As, as a you know, age appropriate World War II guy. No, I, 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 I just want to put you on the spot here and answer this question. Okay. Yeah, how did you dodge a draft? <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate you guys. I, was, I don't, I don't think Santa Claus is eligible for a
1: draft. Um, <laughs> he was, he got exemption for uh,
3: exemption. taking toys to kids. <laughs> So chop off the first 30 minutes, start the movie when they, you know, like we fade in and like, they've just beat, they've just landed and beat the lines of defense and they've kind of finally hit the camp. Okay. And then the movie just proceeds as the rest of the movie. Right. Is this movie, does this movie, where does this movie fall? Right. Cause it's, I think, you know, people think of it as one of the great war movies of all time. Okay. If you take away the first thirty minutes, where does it fall? Like, how far does this movie fall?
0: It falls a lot to me. It be and because there's definitely parts of the movie that I kind of wanted to skip, you know, through because and and not necessarily because it's bad, but there's some just some brutal scenes like you know when when they lose the dock in that whole that whole battle when when Javon dies, that is so fuck when he's crying for his mama and all that stuff. That's just so brutal. It's like I didn't want to sit through it again.
1: And, um, just in case you're a a new listener to BBK, just understand we do spoil the fuck
3: out (laughs) of movies (laughs) and we don't really really say that,
1: but yeah, we, if you haven't seen this, if you're just like, I want to check out saving forever, go watch it. And we always, we always say we're going to talk about the movie as if you watched it. So yeah, I don't
0: know. It just, um in general that it has to have that opening scene that's what that's what ma- sets the whole scene it in and, and yeah but,
3: but i mean so this let me the last battle definitely makes in, up in, for but it but in some ways right like the, the opening scene i don't think sets up the movie right in the sense that like it like it does it's not important that it's not important to the plot right it's not important to the rest of the movie but
2: it is i mean that's so, so, the whole thing i mean they lose ryan dies one of the okay lose, lose
3: okay guys? but you could you could literally you could easily, easily create that plot tension, but b- I think without it, having to see the scenes, what
2: it does is set the tone of brutality for what's happening, right? And it just—I mean, it really—but
3: the, but the rest of the movie isn't overly brutal.
1: I, I mean, there's
2: some uh, shit going. on. There's out. some,
3: but it's not like <laughs> that's not the defining feature.
1: I I, I just think it, from from a technical perspective, there's so much that goes on in that first scene that is, I think, is really iconic and and oh, groundbreaking. Oh, you sort oh, no, of get I agree. some character I, development no, uh, for Rubisi and for you, the you fucking. S- you see Tom the, Hanks, his leadership, yeah. and,
2: and and you know,
1: Tom Sizemore is right there, like as his right hand man, yeah, like yep. like the
2: guy that the sniper well, guy. You kind of get to see his Berry deal. Pepper, yeah. okay.
3: okay, so I see I get I get all that. I guess I guess even set, setting that aside, right? Like let's just say Val we, Kilmer
1: talks about family. Let's
3: just say... <laughs> Val Kilmer. <laughs> Did you say Val, Val Kilmer? Kilmer? I mean, Vin <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> <Ben> Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Dom Toretto. I mean, bro. All, of a, of, su- all of a sudden, we're talking Willow. Dom Toretto. Uh, Dom Toretto <laughs> talks about family. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I guess I, I guess my point is is more. I mean, even setting aside the fact that it, so say it's connected. All my my point oh, my point is in. just like. I think people remember Saving Private Ryan as this great movie. I actually think that if you just take away that first scene, or you make it much shorter and much more basic, it's kind of a. Mm, it's like okay. So what? So Nick, uh, our beloved, you know, previous co-host, and I were recently like standing around chatting about Spielberg, and I think we both kind of like came to the conclusion that neither of us thinks he's that great. Oh. Okay. Well, hot take, but I'm just saying, like, we and maybe more to the point, neither of us were were like, yeah, his best shit is the serious stuff. So like, there's some so like, this, I would make the case that in this movie, this chunk of movie is as good as it gets. There's stuff in Schindler's List that like is as impactful as it gets, but the best stuff that Spielberg does for me are the movies that are a little more fun, right? The Ra- the, the Raiders, or I mean, the the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, one through three, anyway. Um, like Catch me if you can. Jaws. Et. E- e- I'm
1: a big fan of my, Minority Report. Minority. I really oh,
3: like yeah. yeah. So, like for me, Spielberg, I think is at his best when he doesn't have to be serious. too sorry. serious. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. I like it too. I enjoy that. Love, movie. love some some cruise. Um, no, I'm just saying. I think Spielberg's actually better when it's like it's okay to be a little campy. Because I think the serious movies, he's not able to totally avoid the camp, like a tiny bit of it, and it ruins it for me.
1: He can definitely throw some camp in where you're just like, "Why?" It's a
3: little too like saccharine, like you know what I mean. And I think there's parts of Saving Private Ryan that have that, where I'm like, "Eh."
2: There's definitely some scenes with like the the non-war stuff. Yep, that's like really syrupy. Yep,
1: for sure.
3: And and I'm just saying, I think this movie is forgettable without the first thirty minutes. I oh, know that's my hot take. It's
1: still there's still some great technical stuff though Definitely. even in in outside of that first scene. I mean the the tanks coming over the 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 like the the mortar holes and stuff when they like it comes rising over them and just shots like that are just fucking impressive and like I mean to have like the the ability to just sniper scene when Barry Pepper is trying to kill the the German sniper like I mean just that whole search and like there's just so many little things that i still really like outside of that first scene i think it's still a a, a classic a movie if we all go back it
2: to the first time that we saw this do we all agree that we didn't know that there was matt damon you mean
0: like I was once tra- you I was,
3: saw matt damon i was trying to think guy. about
0: that and and I, I can't remember if i knew him or not at the time like had, Goodwill Hunting had already come had, out. Had just no, no, you, out, you mean
3: you know no, I'm
2: saying like the the old man at the beginning.
1: Oh, oh, oh the little yes, switcheroo. You're the saying switcheroo. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You're supposed to think it's Hanks, right? They completely like, yeah.
1: are are trying to make you think unless unless you're like a psychotic, like he does have a little hundred and first airborne pin but on the shirt. When you watch him when you watch
2: it now, you're like, oh, it does look like Matt Damon. Oh yeah. Oh, like I casting. can see it. Yeah. No, no yeah, that yeah, is yeah. Matt Damon. It is Matt Damon in costume, I believe. Yeah. In, in in old man makeup. It's old man
3: makeup. No, Matt that's Damon. Scott that, saying that, No. That's, that's, that's no, that's Matt Damon. That's an actor. It's, it's an Matt actor Damon. named Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> he happens to
1: be named Matt Damon, but it's an old man. <laughs> right.
2: right. <laughs> I swear to God I thought <laughs> it was Matt Damon. Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Damon
1: <laughs> Yes, but uh, no, the Tom Hanks, uh yeah, they, they try to they obviously trick you. They want to, like and th- I think that's part of like the whole we can we can start this now. The idea of starting the movie like that—it makes it a little bit more schmaltzy than I think it it should be. Like I, I, I just really think you put yourself. Like, what you're this? I out? do not Being like crowded. the. Ninety eight. I do not like the whole, the, the a whole cemetery scene from the front and the back. I hate it. Are just
3: unnecessary. That's
2: such a 1998 thing to do, though.
3: No, like, it's such a Spielberg thing. I think nowadays, it's very Spielberg. It's not,
2: but like, I mean, that's like a Titanic thing to do. It's a, it's a fucking, it's a. There's a lot of movies that kind of had that sort of formula where it was like, this movie
3: needs here's to start. A survivor, Omaha Beach, D-Day, June 7,
1: 1940, uh, 1942, and just needs to start right there.
3: I, I, I couldn't be more. On board I'm sorry, with
1: 1944, that not 1942. Yeah. Get it? No, uh, no, it's
3: bro. it's better if you do it like the the, the Tarantino. Is like 42. <laughs> it's like forty two. Scott, what history. year was it
2: when you turned twenty two? Is what year was it? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> uh, uh,
3: so so I, I guess I I I, I think the I movie said seven, June six. I fucked up. That's You're awesome. Really You're a really good. Historian. Are you a history <laughs> teacher? You,
1: you would imagine I know something about history.
3: <laughs> um. I, know, I mean I know
1: something about beer.
3: I think the point I mean, I, I agree I agree there's lots of great things about the movie. I'm just I and I don't I maybe it's sort of still a classic and maybe it just gets the Spielberg bump, right? Because Spielberg, you know, gets the bump by this time. But I just I don't know. For me, I, don't, I don't
1: I don't think this movie is is a classic by any means because Spielberg's name I, I don't care what director's name's attached to this, right? It's gonna be a classic. I don't think it has anything to do with Spielberg. Hard to disagree. except for the fact that Spielberg is amazing with his his Creative camera techniques as creative uh, uh, shooting of the scenes and and obviously I think I'm sure he's involved in the editing in some way as well Which I think is all amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah I mean I, 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 I It's hard to, to divorce it, but I will say that this time again As soon as I got past the opening scene and things calmed down. I was much less excited going forward I was like, okay I, I was really excited to watch that and I realized now I'm kind of like I'm gonna get through this it, There'll be some fun parts, but well the first episode is always the best and that's not true at all. <laughs> it's almost literally the opposite of what's true. <laughs> all
1: right. Should we get, uh, well, we're not going to call Stephen over because Nate's insulted him too much and Stephen just oh, walked out. Bro, so. we haven't
3: yeah. even talked about Bridge of Spies yet. God Spielberg was supposed to be
1: here. He was bro, walking oh, up <laughs> and he heard Nate talking and he just walked away. So yeah. um, you guys are going to have to settle for uh, our friend, Lieutenant Dan. So he's going to come on in just a second.
0: Pull up a chair and grab yourself a drink for Authenticize what directors think, maybe sometimes get a guess, it makes us look good. Let's drink, laugh, and pretend we know what we're doing.
4: Drinking with, with the, the director, director, brought to you by Last Call Brewing.
1: Lieutenant <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Dan, since last time you were on, we've, we've added some little uh, a little jingles. What do you think?
5: Yeah, they're great, man. I think (laughs) you guys had some genius last time, but these are a little more serious or a little better, I guess you'd say.
1: Yeah, we're (laughs) improving day by day. Production (laughs) value is what we're going for. Lieutenant Dan, I got to start off by saying you are a part of the uh, the most popular BVK pod of all time, which is Training Day. And I'd like to think it's because of you. And uh, yeah, so welcome back to the podcast, man. How are you doing?
5: Good, thank you. I, that's still the most popular viewed, huh?
3: It's, it's right there with our our first episode and training day, like go back and forth for the sort of the title. But yeah, training day, it, people love it, you know? It's I, either you or Denzel, one of the it's other. It's hard to say. Um, <laughs> and so, so one of the reasons we have Lieutenant Dan on, we, we're having him on this time and why we had him on last time is not only is Dan's, Dan and, and Brad and I have been friends since what? preschool
1: like, like three years old yeah
3: yeah so we went to preschool yeah. together um, and uh, and Dan had had a couple of different ex- life experiences that we didn't so right out of high school or a f- couple years out of high school uh, he went into the military I feel like you always like that that was a foregone conclusion like you were like I'm at some point you were gonna go in the military right
5: oh yeah I, I mean I I think it was probably never any doubt for me I always wanted to I saw starship troopers and <laughs> <laughs> uh, and,
1: and, and, and you wanted to be a you wanted to be a marine, correct? But there was a, a
5: unfortunate incident with so your I went, arm. I went in when I was 19 because um, I tried to go into the Marines. It took for almost a year. I tried to get into the Marines, and my dad had been in the Marines, so that was really the connection for that one. But I had broken both of my arms when I was a kid, so I, neither one goes straight all the way, which doesn't hinder me in any way, but just didn't go all the way straight. And uh, so I went through the whole process where you kind of like challenge it to get in. Um, and at the end, I couldn't get into the Marines. And I, and then I applied for the Army, who actually is usually a little more picky, but then it's always politics, too. So it depends on the recruitment, you know, like how many people are getting in that year and how um, down are they. And luckily for me, it was a down year. They weren't taking anybody. So they said, all right, we'll take anybody that's breathing now. And <laughs> so I got in.
1: Old oh, oh, Cricket oh, Arm Dan gets in. <laughs> Hang, on. <laughs> Hang on, Dan. I'm, I'm
2: confused. I thought that it was just like, as long as you pass the physical test, like you can be in the, it, are they really, are they picky about that sort of thing? I don't, I don't know this, how this
5: works. Oh no, you go to a, I, th- I think it's called MEPS and I can't remember exactly, but you literally, so you go in with 20, 40 other dudes, Nate, will like this part. You get butt naked. Just get down, butt naked. <laughs> uh,
3: I, I do like to be naked, especially with forty other dudes. Nate's excited right now. <laughs> no. I mean, I, you know, now it you... doesn't really matter, is there? To be honest, <laughs> I'll just I'll drop trial pretty much any time anyone asks.
5: And they do that. I mean, you stop. They they check for hemorrhoids. So you you all stand in line. You bend over and spread them. I guess and I'm and mad. I remember at night. What the hell are they doing? But they're checking for hemorrhoids. Um, and they have you do all these exercises where they watch your body, and they're looking for any kind of discrepancy or anything that old injury or anything like that. And yeah, sure enough, I mean, I passed fine because it fully healed. And uh, but they're like, "Hey, straighten your elbows." I was like, "That's as straight as I go. I'm good, though." Uh, no, you gotta straighten that, and I uh, said, so "Straight as it goes." It's the push-up <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> form,
1: so that's what they were upset about: is the push-up form. Like yeah. you couldn't go. They're like, "Why is this guy being lazy?" But you're like, "Fuck, I can't go any further."
5: <laughs> might you know what? it actually. For me, I think it helped very much because I couldn't go. You know, people can lock your arms, and it's a resting position, so you fully extend and you lock your elbows, and you're resting. I can't lock my fucking elbows. So, when I go to the resting position, I'm still exerting myself. So, <laughs> I actually think it helped me. Yeah. I, was, I was the best push-up guy in the United States Army at the end because I never got tired anymore. So <laughs> I could do. <laughs> I could rest. But, um, no, so, yeah, they check you out pretty thoroughly, and then you go from there um, to the next stage of it. But, no, it's not. You don't just pass the physical. They really, really examine you pretty thoroughly.
2: That's crazy. So they're telling guys, they're like, sorry, bud, hemorrhoids, you're out. That's fucking yep. insane. I had no idea. Dude, so so my, my dad
0: was a Marine, and there's a story he always used to tell about that same thing where they'd line them up in there, and they'd fucking go over there, and they'd drop their trowel, whatever, and they would be checking for the hemorrhoids. And I guess there's he's standing in line, and this one guy's getting checked out. And one of the guys looks and goes... Holy shit! And he starts calling guys over, he's like, dude, you guys gotta, you gotta see this shit. And the guy was like, beat red. He's like, so fucking pissed, but he's calling all these other guys over to look at this guy's giant hemorrhoids in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! <laughs> and they're just like clowning him in front of everybody. Oh. And so poor it's just
4: Jesus. <laughs> yeah. dude.
1: Well, well, Dan, and then uh, you know, after Nate and I sent some letters to the army about like your exploits in high school and, and all the shit that you uh, used to get into, they're like, we need this guy on the tank, right? So you got into in, into the tanks, right?
5: Yeah, I was, well, it was called a Bradley. Mine was called a linebacker. I got to talk about my tank because I loved it. You have a when you're in tanks or something like that, you have a very serious love affair with your with your vehicle. I mean, there was the motto where I was in, where it was death before dismount. You're not getting off that thing, no matter what. I mean, you do. You sleep on it. You eat in it. Um, there, when you, I was only in for three years, but your first six months is training, and then for two and a half years after that, I was on that tank every single day. Um, if you aren't in the field somewhere, which you're in the field of law, you wake up at 5:30, you go do some PT, and then you're on your tank, and you're practicing with it, you're driving with it. I mean, you shit off of it. You tie a rope to the side. You literally, for when there's simulated minefields, you know, you have a rope to the side, and you. You prop your feet up and you hang on and you shit off the side of the tank. The tank <laughs> to, check,
2: to check for mines. <laughs> like do <you> see <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, it's supposed to thing that you can't get off the? You can go way. walk off into oh, the I forest and go I poop because
1: yeah. you might yeah. <laughs> blow up.
5: um Or <laughs> even if you're like, they do what's called NTC training, where there's a uh, it's they're a lot of fun. They're simulated wars, you know, for the whole side and you're stuck in the middle of somewhere and you're not allowed to leave the tank because you never know when the engagement is going to start. So you just shit off the side of the tank. And uh, yeah, no, I was, I was on a Bradley linebacker. It was, I think 36 tons fully loaded a 25 millimeter um, chain gun. And then it had stinger missiles, which was air defense missiles on the didn't side.
1: Didn't you break your hip? I was going to say, we hanging we, off of a tank. We can cut this, but you've also Nothing. been
5: on the outside of the
1: tank, correct?
5: Yeah. Yeah. I broke my hip when I was, I got pinched between a tree and the, so, The (laughs) unique thing about tanks, which is crazy, when you're driving them, you can't see. You can't see anything, but you don't need to because it's a fucking tank, right? So you just drive. (laughs) But you start off as a driver, and when you're in the driver's seat, you cannot see almost anything. With the hatch closed, and you hunker down in, it has these, where they're called portholes, and it's just a mirror that you look through it, and then it kind of goes up, and you can barely see, but nobody even bothers because this vision is so bad. So the commander stands up in the turret, and you have a voice, Box thing, you know, they could talk to the driver, and the commander just says three-quarters speed, right, left, and you just drive. And I remember many times as a driver, you just reclined back staring at the ceiling and you're just giving it gas and turning, whichever way he says. You have no idea what's in front of you, but it's a tank, so it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, especially on the Bradley, the driver sits to the far left, can't see anything, even with the hatch open to the right, and I was standing in front of the tank, and this brand new dumbass driver. I was trying to guide him forward, and when you can't see the operator anymore, you're supposed to stop, so you don't run him over. Well, he didn't stop, but he pinched me between the, uh, the tree and the—it was in Georgia, so they were small trees. They're really tall, but they're skinny, and uh, it dislocated and cracked my, cracked my backside of my hip. The nuts part is, so once the tree finally got pushed down and I was free, um, I jumped on the front of the tank, ran up into the turret, jumped in there, and put my helmet on and started yelling at him. And, uh, you know, saying, you fucking idiots. You almost killed me. And then like 20 seconds later, I was like, man, this really hurts. And then about 40 seconds after that, I was on the ground dying. Let, let me ask um, you this exactly. question though,
3: Dan following that, how long did it take you to go to the, uh, go, go seek medical attention?
5: <laughs> <It sounds like laughs> well, I got, question. I got, I got, I flew out of there. I didn't get flying out almost immediately, but they x-rayed the wrong fucking side. <laughs> so they sent me home with ibuprofen. They were like, this guy's um,
2: fine there's no problems here yeah.
5: ibuprofen and next day i was in so much pain that uh, uh i think i i pissed myself i know i pissed myself because i couldn't get out of bed um and yeah i think my wife came home and called an ambulance eventually and i went
3: so i can i can i so let me just sidetrack here so one of our favorite things about Dan, and if you go back and listen to the Training Day interview, you'll hear some of the exploits. But Dan has a penchant for getting hurt, and then then essentially just and ignoring then being like, that. "It's fine." Yeah, being like, "It's fine," until I have to go to the emergency <laughs> room. Um, so so <laughs> today, uh, Brad and I were you know Dan Dan's checking with Brad and I via text.
1: I'm actually on my way to the podcast. Like, I'm driving
3: <laughs> over here. Out of the blue, we get this picture that I don't think we could probably put on the socials that just has this, like, it, what it, it actually looks like it's got to be a cast, except it's human flesh because it's the wrong color. And the only reason you know it's human flesh is because it has, like, it has stitches that look like Frankenstein stitches. Yeah, Ugh. it's, it's, it's clearly There's a a Show arm. me the picture right now. It looks great. Damn. And it it says... Ripped my damn tendons out, out out last week. Had surgery on Tuesday, but I keep cutting the cast off. I hate casts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which we both agreed is the the most Lieutenant Dan like story of all you, time. <laughs> like
5: it's just you it's cut just... you cut your own cast off, Dan. So most of my childhood, I was a like cast at some point in time for some broken limb. I don't think I've ever gone back to the doctor to get the cast removed. I think every and that was my mom. To be honest, to be fair, she was like, "I'm not paying for this shit again." Um, so after it felt fit, you just cut that cast off, and you're like, All right, I'm good to go. How do you take make the cast mind. off? You cut it, you just saw uh, it. Hat, Hack dremel usually, dremel, no, hat, whatever <laughs> you yeah. have. I mean, dremel. they're not thick, man. Not faster. You can break them off with your hands if you go at it savage enough. I got some tips. So, like, okay, can't I got some, some tips. A, <laughs> he,
3: he's holding up his cast. <laughs>
5: Everybody does. The cats to this day are still the most uncomfortable thing in the world. They can't get these things comfortable. So what I do with them, I cut the sons of bitches in half like this every time, right? And then I wrap each half in a sock. And then I put it back on like this so it's with a sock around it. And then I duct tape it together. And it's far more comfortable that way.
2: It's almost like you can't move your arm when it's on there. So I see why you would want to <laughs> do that. <laughs>
1: hey, this guy, this guy. Yep. there's a That's reason his so arms nuts. don't straighten completely. <laughs> uh, and I'll put them uh, back on. I
5: mean, I tape them back on. I'll cut them off and then put them back on. For, but, you know, it's such a pain in the ass to shower with them and everything else. I just... Uh, How'd you rip your 10 bits? That's another whole story. So we bought a hot tub spa, you know, and they wanted 500 bucks to move it from the front (laughs) to the back. No, I can move this. And uh, so my wife was here yelling at me that you can't move the hot tub. I said, watch me. I couldn't move the hot tub. (laughs) They wanted 500 bucks. (laughs) Man. Oh, so,
1: watch boy! Uh-huh. And so you, you just you had a hold of it and you're trying to yank and, and something popped.
5: So I started to pick it up and I figured if I can get it on its side, <laughs> then I could get some underneath it and maybe make some kind of contraption to move it over to where I wanted it to go. And when I started picking it up and I got to that like quarter of it up or, or maybe half, and I felt I've never felt anything like this, and I felt in my elbow a rip, but I went, "Oh my god." And in an instant real sharp pain, but then the pain went away. But I knew that's not normal. I don't know what that was. So I should have put it down, but I did the okay, I'm halfway. Let me put everything <laughs> I got <into> it. <laughs> and then we'll do it that later. And I put everything I had into it, and then I felt this really big like <laughs> pop. oh. And I got it up though, but I got it all the way up. But then I looked at my arm. And the bicep, I shit you not, know, like the bicep was on the side of my arm. Oh no! And all shoulder, I broke it at the at the elbow side. You can break it either in. So it bunched up at the shoulder, and I went, "That's not, that's not okay." <laughs> and then um, about five seconds after that, you know, the pain kicks in. You're like, "Well, that hurts real bad, but this is not good." And then my arm didn't work, so I knew like I had some serious shit now, going on.
2: Now, Dan, the question that our listeners really want to know is: is is that your jerking arm?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's my right arm. Oh, <laughs> my
3: God. That's, that's unfortunate. Look, uh, that's strange for a you while. Know, I mean, you
5: know? for more than the jerking arm, um, they're wiping your ass. Oh, oh no. Uh, oh,
4: that's, that's terrible. terrible. The
5: the worst. Right. arm used to wipe your ass. It's a whole <laughs> learning method. And I, I couldn't <laughs> talk to my wife to do it. Again, the doctor's <laughs> note says you gotta take care of me and she's like i'm not that's where i draw the lines. <laughs> yeah I mean,
1: wife so with so the so other so hand is like a stranger's wife in your ass you're like what is going <laughs> on
3: yeah and, and, so and, and you smell for about it's two three weeks while you're learning not
5: only am i paying the 500 bucks to move the spa now still <laughs> um i have to pay $1,200 for the surgery. <laughs> so,
1: and, and you're like, in a, in a week when I heal up, I'm going to go ahead and move that thing again on my own. <laughs>
5: <laughs> this well, is- I, can't, but I still can't move my arm. So even though it's all attached now, it should be better than ever, I think. They drilled that shit back, yeah. didn't
2: it? You're like the so, bionic man. It's definitely gonna come yeah. out better than ever. I think I think I think you'll be able to move multiple spas by the time this is
3: all said and done.
2: <laughs> That's the best story I've ever heard.
3: I, uh, I love how he slow rolls it. like it's <laughs> not a, like, like, like it's not gonna be much of a story. I know. This is like, the most They
2: lit- wanted five five hundred dollars to do it, so I figured fuck it. I'm gonna go into the whole twenty five hundred bucks. And then still have so to pay the five hundred.
5: It is kind of comical, because the doctor was like, people normally tear this. You normally tear it at the shoulder side, which I'd imagine is even worse. I tore it at the elbow side. But um, most people tear it when they go to catch something. And it's like, you know, instinct. Then you go to catch something too heavy, and it rips it right out. And so I told the doctor, he's like, so you just lift it tore." <laughs> yeah. And he said, usually so you tour. feel something. I felt it. And he goes, well, why didn't you stop? And I said, well. I wanted to get it off. I was halfway there. I was halfway there. I'm not trying to pay $500, (laughs)
1: Doc. (laughs) He
5: said, I don't normally get people that tear their own bicep off. yeah. All right. All right, Lieutenant Dan,
1: we, we, we have you here to talk about Saving Private Ryan. And I think the, the first I, thing... I, I, <laughs> I, hang on, Brad. I want to hear
2: more stories about Dan hurting himself. This is my favorite fucking thing <laughs> no, that you know has what? ever I'm happened. Is, you he's have, got a
3: billion stories, I know. got to go back to the... We have I know, whole, whole, hey, I know. And, back, and, and go we back can, to the train day. Probably.
1: Actually, what we need to do is we'll, we'll take a little BVK trip. But yeah, so Saving Private Ryan, I, uh, the thing I want to hit hit you up is that we were talking a little bit earlier about the idea of like going into a situation like Omaha beach. And it's like, how does your training prepare you in a sense that like, you know, you might be doing some, some, some shit that could really end badly. What what do you think it is about the training in the military that, that prepares you for those types of moments?
5: I think it's the culture that the military sets for the people that come into it. And the culture very much is mission over person. And it is that you are here for, it's a lot of pride. It's a lot of tradition that they bring in, which is very important for all that. Mm -hmm. And it is very much that, hey, you are here for a purpose. And you might not even know what that purpose is. That was, you know, um, D Day was what? Operation Overlord, I think it was called. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of those soldiers that died that day didn't even know what they were doing. They just knew that this is something their country needed them to do to end a war for some tyrants. And this was a small piece of the puzzle. They didn't even know what the hell the game plan was. They just knew that this was their orders and that this was their mission. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, some people say it's, it's brainwashing. And I don't think it's that at all. It's just a cultural idea that, hey, you have to understand that you are... How do I explain it? You know, in today's culture, it's very important that everybody is somebody important, right? Everybody's the primary character, right, in their own story, right? And the military is very different. The military is, hey, I hate to say it, but you're not the primary character. You're a tiny cog in a big machine, and you need to do your piece, or that whole machine starts to break down. And if you don't do your piece, then the next piece breaks next to you, and the next piece breaks next to you. This isn't something new for the military. I mean, this goes back to the Roman times where they had shield walls. If the person next to you didn't hold his ground, then the shield started to break, but the wall started to break, and your life was in danger. And the military, I think, understands that more than just about anybody else. Um, You know, I gravitated from there to law enforcement because it's kind of similar along that way. But um, it is very much the you are here to make sure that everybody else is protected as much as possible and you're doing a mission that even if you don't understand what it is you have faith that it's going to um, be used for the the right cause i mean world war ii is an iconic example of uh, it was a right cause you know we didn't know maybe what the what the end game was for everything but we knew we were going there to do something good
1: we knew Um, we were on the right side i think it's interesting because i don't think saving private ryan ever really hits that that hard that it's like hey we're doing this for america like this is the right like we're 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 trying to uh stomp down fascism like i don't think you ever really get that vibe like that's why i'm I'm always questioning is it is it more like a loyalty to the 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 men that you're around that you've trained with and it's like we are here to protect each other because we've we've created this bond or is it like I'm an American and I'm supporting America and I'm doing like my, my part. Like I, I think saving private Ryan doesn't really kind of choose the right direction. There. I think they kind of more seem like it's like, like band of brothers type thing, which I know is kind of an offshoot of, of saving private Ryan a little bit later, but I I don't know. Like, <laughs>
5: Do the band of brothers thing approach where it is you're here for your brothers and sisters, even if you don't understand what it is. But I do think they touch on it in a couple subtle ways. There's one part where they're walking through, um, I think it's uh, soon before the medic dies in that terrible scene you're talking about, Scott. That mm-hmm. is a terrible scene to watch. Mm-hmm. But they're walking through kind of the planes and they're all grumbling and complaining. And they ask the captain, Tom Hanks, um, like, what would you do if you we were talking to the generals right now? And remember what he said? He's like, I'd tell them they're doing a great job, like sarcastically and. Uh, but his point was, that was a great moment of leadership. He shut them all down. You know?
4: yeah. they were,
5: he didn't convince them or for them. But what he was saying is, is basically what I'm saying. We're here to do a mission. It doesn't matter right. what we know or don't know. Um, and it's really subtle in the movie, I thought. But I yeah. look at, when I watched it again, I've watched it several times. Then I think I kind of interpret what the director was trying to do there. He was trying to show that, hey, no, they understand that they're here for a very important purpose. And even though they're grumbling, because there's 19, 20-year-old soldiers, and they're all going to grumble, they know. And their leader definitely knows. And even he, Tom Hanks, the captain, he's got no clue what the grand scheme is, but he knows he's a very important piece in this big machine that has to um, finish this. So, no, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, hoorah America in the movie, I don't think. And I don't know that that, when I was in, there wasn't a whole lot of that. um, Until you get to some of the more traditional, like, the balls and that kind of thing. But, um, It is more for you know you're there for your track you're there for the individuals that you're spending every day for 12 hours a day crammed in a tiny machine with Uh, but also there is the very thorough and and full knowledge of this is why we're here you know we know why we're here and it is such a strong culture that if people come into that group with not that mind it's almost unspoken you know and if people come into that group with not that monster in mind then they're kind of chased out you know that's not what somebody in the military wants and you know at any given time that you could be deployed. And um, you don't want to be stuck next to somebody that has doubts of why they're there right. when you do get deployed.
1: Right,
5: And that's why drafts, too, I think are dangerous. I mean, we saw that in Vietnam here. I'm not saying draftees weren't that many times. Most of them were. But sometimes if you're forced into it, you know, as a draft as opposed to a volunteer um, service, you're going to get some people that are, are not of that culture or mindset. And that is going to damage it.
1: Well, and, and I think the the exposure we have now to the realities of war, I think, is a little bit different, um, whether we've seen mm-hmm. it like video. I mean, obviously, uh, Vietnam War was the, kind of the first to really kind of have some televised like like they were talking about the risks and like it was more like it was less glorified for sure. And then nowadays, I mean, when we see like things that have gone on in Afghanistan and Iraq and it's like there's visuals of it and it's it's like a little bit more in your face, it definitely makes it easier for for folks to question of like what the fuck are we doing here because our our last few wars have all been kind of like a little bit what did we really accomplish like World War two it was very much like we knew what we were doing well
0: we were attacked by by the Japanese first I mean we know? we were and,
1: involved in the war prior to that right not officially but I mean we, but we, that was <laughs> that was a
0: good motivation is we were actually attacked you know yeah. so they're like, okay well we have we, we've been we've been poked by you know they poke the bear we're gonna go fight and then obviously the the German part like that was something that I think you learn in Band of Brothers was they didn't really know about the concentration camps they knew about the persecution but they didn't know the level you know like how bad it was until they really got in in so there wasn't really that motivation going on but they definitely knew that there was some bad shit going on over one there.
1: one of the camps that they that they the United States secured immediately after like they saw what was going on in the camp they Mm -hmm. immediately started shooting all the officials that were like in charge of that camp just started lining them up and blasting them it was like they just were like what the fuck was going on here kind of crazy so you
5: know first 20 minutes of the movie um brad you would know this for sure and you're gonna have more details on it that i will too actually probably i'm sure but as bloody and bad as that was which many of the beaches were terrible i think there's three of the six that were real bad um they were planning another operation to invade Japan, and they were expecting casualties to be ten times higher than right. what was on those beaches. Um, so when they, you know, you always hear a lot of people that when we dropped the the A bombs, Little Boy and Big Boy, how bad it was. It was terrible. We were looking at casualty rates that would have just made D Day look like child's play almost. And they were anticipating it. They knew that we were going to have massive casualty waves. But anytime you take a beachhead. Um, which is usually a job of Marines, and this one is the Army on Overlord, which um, that's because the Army is the biggest, but uh, anytime you're invading a beachhead is the scariest operation for any military personnel. They know it's going to be massive casualties.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, I mean, all those, it was it was crazy what was going on there compared to what, what even... I'm not saying it makes Omaha Beach or Utah Beach look look bad, I mean, like like child's play, but I mean what happened in 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 the the pacific campaign was just mm. brutal brutal wild fighting like just craziness um guys any other questions so, so, for Dan here so, so i think
3: uh, yeah, i'm struggling here a little bit to put into words what i cuz I, I don't know if I, it's not an entirely controversial take cause i maybe because i'm not quite sure how to how to make it but i sometimes think we sort of like oversimplify or fetishize the the role of like of soldiers in society sort of as like it's a litmus test for how so, so, you know, like you're talking about Dan, right? Like maybe everybody by the time they're in the system has some would report that they're there sort of, you know, to protect their country, to protect the you know, the ideals of the country. But I mean, as we see in the movie and I think to some extent as, as you've reported in conversations, There's a lot of variation in what people's motivations are for being in the military, for their attitudes, their sort of level of inherent valor. I mean, there are people that are truly both duty-oriented and principle-driven and would do it for free, right? I mean, really think like, this is my sense. I have a sense of duty here. I, I need to volunteer and be in. I think that it's so important to protect. And then I think there's people that go in for reasons that are entirely about you know, at least initially, because it's a reasonable, stable living relative to where they were, because they have a, you know, a sense that it has, you know, long-term potential for a career or for setting themselves up in those ways because they didn't have any other good options.
2: A lot of people go in for like the college thing and stuff like that.
3: And and I, and I guess my point isn't to be critical at all of, of the soldiers of the, of the enlisted, of people that, that participate in the military. That, That those are, I, from my perspective, those are all great reasons and, if for whatever reason they get into the system and they become, um, you know, they, they, they are are trained or they come around on the idea of duty, you know, that there's nothing wrong with that and maybe nothing wrong if they don't. I guess my point is just I sometimes feel like we have this narrative that like we have to have to have this like over the top respect as though everybody is this hero. And I think it over, for me, it sometimes, I think it oversimplifies. It feels like you're not allowed to have a conversation about the reality of of war, you know, or of being in the military as being both, you know, so I, I, I guess I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to say it. I, I think so sometimes it's forced think, upon us a bit.
5: So I think I hear what you're saying. And I mean, I think what you're saying um, has some merit to it, especially back that- in the days of Saving Private Ryan. So there used to be what was called a tech position and then every other position. So it used to be like a tech sergeant or just a sergeant. So a tech sergeant was a support um, or liaison staff. So I think, I can't remember the numbers now, but I think it takes two to four soldiers to support one combat soldier, okay? So um, now, in the Marines, is a little bit different. Every Marine is a rifleman, so every single Marine is trained for combat. And uh, the Marines pride themselves on pretty much only taking in the people that we were talking about before. That if you want to be a Marine, you're going in because for the most part, you probably want to fight. Um, but in the Army, that's a huge operation, a big chunk of the Army. People go into it never expecting to see combat of any type, which is totally fine and honorable. <laughs> They're going in to serve their country, but they might be going into um, a specialized field for, um, you know, mechanics or um, uh, healthcare, or I mean, they have everything. They have law the engineering they facilities, have. like yeah. Think of now where I was in, and you will find, and these are just in every field you can categorize or somewhat generalize the people that are going to go into that field. If you go into academics, there's probably going to be... Most people like to read that are academics. doesn't mean every single one of them likes to, but the vast majority probably like to read. You know what I mean? Um, if you go into the military, probably the very vast majority are very supportive and patriotic towards their country. If you go into combat arms... what I was So I wanted specifically to be in combat arms. That's where I wanted to go. Some mm. type of combat arms. And that is going to attract... I think a very specific person, you know what I mean. Um, But yes, I hear what you're saying very much, and they used to categorize that off. So it used to be, if you were in combat arms, you were a a normal rank, and if you were in support staff, you were a tech rank. So it would be tech specialist or tech sergeant, and that was telling. And the reason they went away from that is because it created, um, you know, subgroups or gangs where if you weren't in the, if you were a tech position you were looked down upon almost by the other military personnel, because if you were in the infantry and getting ready to get deployed at any moment, and this guy was never going to leave, you know, Fort Bliss, Texas, then, um, you know, there was a difference there. So they've gone, they've done away with that, which I think is probably good because everybody in the military deserves our respect in my opinion, but the military is a massive machine, massive. I think when I was in, it was 230,000 just in the army alone. I don't know how big every branch is now at this point, but um, uh, and I am speaking for generalizations, but generally, especially in those positions, that is the people that are going to gravitate towards that job field. You guys knew me Nate very well growing up, and you've said it before, and I think the whole time you knew me, you knew I would probably go into the service because I kind of I, I exemplified those traits that I'm yeah. talking about for a lot of military. And the majority of the people in with me were similar to where I was. You know, very patriotic, very um, supportive of the military and the country and that type of thing. Not to say all of them. I remember when I was in boot camp, um, there was a a guy, very smart, very good dude, just graduated college. And he signed up for four years because they said he had $140,000 of student loans. And they said, hey, we'll pay off every penny of that if you give us four years. So he went, okay, I'm in. Um, He didn't have any love for the military. I don't remember what his job was. He wasn't doing combat arms, but we were in boot camp together. But um, he was going in to pay off student loans. Great guy. Loved the dude. Another guy that was in combat arms that I um, was with a long time, and he did become, you know, like minds. If you're outnumbered, you kind of adapt to those around you. You know, most people are chameleons. But he had gone in because he was a juvenile. He was 17, committed a bunch of crimes was turning 18. The judge said, go to the military or you're going to jail. <laughs> he went, I'll go to the military. Um, and then we became good friends. He was a great guy, and I think it turned his life around. But he didn't join because, you know, that's what he wanted to do. He joined because he had to go there or go to jail. So there, it is definitely a mixing pot. We had one guy, I remember, um, great dude that was from Africa. I felt like he could barely speak English, but that was how he was getting his citizenship. He had joined because if he went through, he can get his citizenship. So there was a, and actually what's funny is probably the most patriotic guy in there. He loved America. Um, but uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean,
3: but- I, and, and I think, you know, I guess I just, some of the movie, it, it, it's not like you see in the movie that like everybody, every, every soldier is just, you know, exactly that sort of like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do this no matter what for my country, because I believe in these principles. Like there's a lot of variation in the movie and maybe not, maybe not, maybe underneath. They're all, will they're all sort of have that attitude, but like some guys are just genuinely scared and sort of doubt their position there at times. And genuinely, like, I, I I just think like, there's a lot of complexity maybe that the movie brings out that, that sometimes I think you're not allowed when you're a non-military person to like observe or sort of comment on. Right. And you sort of, to me creates kind of a, I mean, oddly, I think it dehumanizes, in a sense, like what the experience is because you're either, you know, sort of like have this incredibly deep deference or, or you're sort of somebody that's just a naysayer, right? And, and at times I think like there's more complexity to it. And a movie like Saving Private Ryan gives you some of that complexity. So it's not that any of them, I think, you know, I, again, I'm not being critical at all, just sort of commenting on the like way that society is sort of set up to think about what, service is um and and maybe maybe it's necessarily simplified or maybe there's an underlying core truth to it that like like what you're saying that pervades and then there's sort of complexity on top of that but crazy crazy for me to think
1: about from world war ii is is the idea of there were interned japanese americans who signed up to fight for the um, for the United States it's like you've your whole family's been put in in basically prison camps and you're now going to say actually I'm going to go fight for this country that has now imprisoned me and 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 that was kind of like their way to say fuck you kind of like not fuck you to the United States but just like hey I'm worthy of this country and like they almost felt like they had to earn their right which I mean it's kind of terrible to think about now but the fact that there was plenty of Japanese Americans who signed up to fight and they weren't getting sent to the Pacific to fight, but they were. I mean, they went and fought bravely in, in Europe and in and in, in, uh, in Africa, and it's just kind of wild.
5: Yeah, I, that that is nuts. You know, Saving Private Ryan too. Jumping back, to the, but that is totally nuts, actually. Brad, the the fact that we did that and that, that um, so many of those Japanese Americans still stayed patriotic to the country too is even insane to me. Yeah, um, going Saving Private Ryan, I think an example of kind of what you're talking about, Nate, is when they when they basically against his will um, uh, pull in the, up, the up scholar.
1: Him. Yeah, Upam, the yeah. the translator.
5: Yeah, and I remember watching it with my mom once or twice, and I remember watching it with my wife. I don't know if she's seen the whole thing. I don't know if my wife ever has seen a whole movie. She doesn't sit <laughs> through the whole thing. But, uh, uh, or my daughter. I watched it with my daughter made her watch, sit through the whole thing. But uh, at the end, when that terrible scene, when his buddy's getting stabbed and – he can't do anything about it. Right. And, uh, you know, most people are like, what a coward, what a piece of shit. I don't feel that way at all. You know, he he didn't want to be in combat arms. He couldn't, he knew that this is something that he couldn't do. And they basically dragged him in against his will. And when he got there, it wasn't that he didn't love this guy on the ground. He just, that was not in him to do what was being asked for him in that moment. And uh, I think it kind of goes what you're saying, like, not everybody in there is doing the exact same job. It doesn't mean they don't deserve our respect for going in, I don't think. I don't think that's what you're saying at all. But it is a job filled with very many different professions. And I'll also say it is weird that when you're in, nobody's sitting there going, we love America. It just doesn't happen at all. It's. I think the reason why, in my mind, is it's almost like, for the most part, once you get there it's like, all right, we can move past that. Everybody hears we all agree on that part. Let's just <laughs> move to the next thing that we're gonna complain about because it is it is a very common mantra, especially in the combat arm. I mean, who else is gonna do that? You know, you might have your psychopaths every now and then are doing it for whatever reason, but for the most part most people that go into that profession are doing it for a very specific reason.
1: Well, that, and that, I think it's easy to, to, to distinguish the psychopaths from, like, the regular people. Like, I know my my great uncle, World War II vet in Pacific, and he was a machine gunner, and he probably killed a lot of Japanese but he didn't come home and be like, oh, yeah, I killed it. Like he he was never – it was not anything he ever talked about. It was like it. somebody finally kind of got out a little bit of the details from him, but he wasn't ever going to be the type that's like out there trying to brag or like was happy with what he had to do. I mean I think he just realized that this is what I had to do. This is what my job was, and we don't need to talk about it. And I'm not going to by any means ever brag about it like, oh, I killed so many. Like that. that's just – that's a psychopath. and And there might be a few of those in the military, but typically <laughs> – if somebody does see that heavy combat like that, they're going to be not running home to go tell everybody about it. They're just like, "That's some shit I went through."
3: All right. Yeah. Anybody else got any uh, Lieutenant Dan commentary?
1: Dan, anything else you'd like to add from Taven Private Ryan? I mean, in, any anything that stands out to you, or,
5: or... no? I would. Um, I disagree with Nate on the if you took the first twenty minutes out. I still think that that's an excellent movie. I thought the first 20 minutes were very, very good. Um, but I thought that entire movie did a really good job of trying to capture um, what it achieved in capturing. Like, I think it very much tried to show that these people are here for each other, that they actually care, that this is a terrible situation, that there's no win sometimes, and um, how they sacrificed... I mean, they said it multiple times. We we're going to sacrifice 15 people to save one guy. Um, but really why were they doing that? Because it was the right thing to do because somebody's mom had lost four other sons. And, um, I mean, I, I am very proud of the military. I think that, uh, I'm very proud of where we are with the military. And I still think we do that. I still think that when, when the chips fall, the military is going to do what's the right thing for the most part, you know, and we're going to have, Stories and things where people it's a huge operation. There's it's probably 500,000 troops total when you consider all the branches But for the most part, it's full of just very honorable and good people and I only did three years That was how long I signed up for Uh, but it was something I was very proud to do And I'm very proud of all the people that are that are in there now. So for Memorial Day Thank you everybody. That's that's done the ultimate sacrifice for us and it's a small piece We could do every year to recognize all those one day a year Yeah, no that's all i got unless anybody has any questions for me all right
3: thank you for your Dude, service thank man. you so appreciate much. You appreciate again. you yeah. thanks dan we love you thanks guys
5: okay. i
2: can't tolerate nuance. welcome to opinionated movie reviews i like that <laughs> i like okay. that name that's a good name that sounds like someone who boofs we're a bunch of assholes
5: Dude, i know that, that you good. can't poop above your ass <laughs> you
2: <don't... laughs> have you ever tried <laughs> yeah we like to talk about movies it's because I enjoy hanging out with my friends, not because I want to watch the movie. Find weekly episodes on Spotify and opinionatedpodcast.com. For all of you listening with your five year olds, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not.
1: This episode of BVK is brought to you by Foo Bar Liquor from the makers of Foo Bar, the silliest nutritional bar in the world. <laughs> Do you find yourself trapped in a world of questionable choices? Does your boss make decisions that make you question your sanity? Well, we've got the solution for you. Introducing FUBAR, your ultimate remedy for surviving those unbearable shitty decisions. Alright, squad, I've got a plan. Let's storm that enemy machine gun nest by running directly at it.
4: Yeah, FUBAR! Yeah, Fubar come on!
1: When you're caught in saving Private Ryan level of madness, reach for FUBAR, your liquid salvation. With its unique blend of courage and craziness, FUBAR will help you face the impossible and embrace the absurd. Folks, we will be replacing all the computers with typewriters. It's a real energy cost and time saver.
4: <coughs> oh, yeah, Fubar. Fubar!
1: FUBAR! is crafted with top secret ingredients that turn terrible decisions into legendary stories. With each sip, you'll find the courage to say, Challenge accepted, and tackle those absurd tasks head on. Johnson, I want all our employees to take the safety and compliance seminars twice a month from now on. No problem, boss. FUBAR anyone?
3: May, oh, another dude, round of FUBAR for me. With FUBAR!
1: So the next time your boss or military higher-ups take you on a roller coaster of questionable choices, remember, grab a bottle of FUBAR and turn those what the fuck moments into what a wild ride memories. FUBAR, because even terrible decisions deserve an epic toast.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh.
0: Is it a one-night stand, or do you hit it with a shovel, or take it home to mom and dad? It's like, fuck, marry, or kill. It's Shag snag Body Bag.
1: Oh, boy. We could have gone a thousand ways. Oh, yeah. There
0: was a lot. I I was like, yeah. Or do you stab him with the dagger? (laughs) That was exactly where I went with
1: it, but I couldn't figure out how to say it right. That's good. All right. So it is Shag snag Body Bag time, and uh, uh, we are going to talk about what we've shagged from this uh horrifically violent but also pretty poignant movie zach what are you shagging here man i'm gonna say it because you
2: called on me first and uh i'm sure that it's gonna get talked about and we've already talked about it kind of ad nauseum but i'm gonna go with the first 20 minutes of this movie the the d-day or the uh omaha beach right the omaha beach scene is uh sort of you know, I've seen this movie a couple times and it's the scene that every time that I'm thinking about when I think of this movie, it's, uh, it's iconic, it's brutal, it's really cool and, uh, well shot and I dig it.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to, be- uh, uh, pretty much piggyback on you because my shag is the crazy cam, uh, camera and editing techniques and it's. Mainly in that first scene. um, there's so many things that happen in that first scene. Um the camera going in and out of the water. and this is, I mean, I would say the ultimate theater movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in fact, there was actually there was actually notes as they send out the movie to theaters. They said, turn the volume up a couple notches. Like right. turn it up a little bit when you're playing this movie because I mean, obviously the sound editing and stuff, but as the camera goes down, the water, it gets quiet and then you pop back up and you're just hearing explosions and gunfire and then it goes back down to the water. It kind of calms down and like some of those big mortar explosions when things kind of go quiet, you get the ringing in your ear sound and then it's like kind of everything slows down. Like just so many little things that were really interesting. Um,
0: yeah. Cause well, cause and they won the Oscar for sound mixing, right? And, and and was edit no cinematography and sound mixing and then director they won those three but then they did not win the best picture and this was the year shakespeare in love won. oh
1: god and 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 the maybe the worst thing about this movie the most d- depressing thing is that it was because harvey weinstein like basically campaigned his ass off to make shakespeare in love the oh best my picture gosh.
0: it's so insane
1: how many people have watched shakespeare in love in the last 20 years i've
0: never watched it it's not bad eh. For, I, knew,
3: I knew you'd like it hopefully Harvey's I don't love movie. it at all I mean I, I've watched it one time yeah. but
0: I but I am glad but because you know talking about about what you you know you're shagging from this is that at least the sin of cinematography and the sound mixing one where it absolutely should have so well and yeah. it's
1: a transition it's the last film edited on a non uh, digital editing system so it, okay. it was it was actually old-school cut together um with the, the actual film being cut so that's pretty awesome and then um, the shot through the scope, I don't know when he, when, when uh-huh. Barry Pepper, when, uh, when Jackson shoots him through the, the sniper scope, like they actually had like a little thing, the mechanism that as soon as the glass would break, they pressed a button to make the glass break. And then there was like a little thing that launched onto his eye and stuck on his eye so that like the like the Dude, it looks that's like awesome. he's got a bullet through his eye. So I mean that's practical effects and stuff that they were using. It wasn't CGI on, I mean there was some CGI but I mean a lot of practical effects used. So, so just real
0: quick talking about Barry Pepper, um, this isn't really a snagger body bag or anything, but I noticed this and I don't know why I noticed it. So he's a lefty, right? When he's when he's doing all the shooting. And I don't know, I'd never noticed that before and I was like, "Oh, crap, he's a le- he's left-handed shooter." But then when they're walking, he's holding his gun right-handed. And it just, for some reason, I was like, that doesn't make sense.
1: I wonder if that was like, just, it looked better or. Yeah. And huh. so,
0: so. but, and, and why it stuck out to me this time of all, you know, all the times I've seen it, I, I was there walking. I was like, and you, if you're a left-handed shot, which he is in the whole movie, he wouldn't be walking with right-handed. No. Cause they're going to be running into battle any time. So it was like really strange to me why they did that.
1: I don't know. Barry Pepper, Canadian. And before he got, uh, as he got uh, hired for this movie was rooming with our boy, Ryan Reynolds. Huh.
2: Damn. Really? Yeah. Okay. Zach's
3: favorite actor when he was banging uh, Alanis. I maybe they were doing three ways. Barry Pepper uh, was banging Alanis too.
2: <laughs> uh, Re- Ryan Reynolds was.
3: And uh, Barry Pepper, they both were. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> uh, I
1: cannot confirm or deny that. Um, Nate, what are you shagging, bud?
3: So I mean, I if it were, if I could, I would just shna- shag and snag all kind of in one big motion uh, the opening sequence but since you guys I'll try to be original <laughs> um I'm going to shag uh the ensemble cast mm-hmm. so for me it's if I, if I'm going to make the case that this movie and, and I've already sort of shit on this case but if I'm going to make the case that that beyond the first you know 20 or 30 minutes this movie would be sort of like an iconic it's because the cast overall is so good. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, and, and and this is, early, this, for a lot of these actors, it's really early in their mm-hmm. careers. And so, you know, you get this, like, crazy good cast when you shouldn't, right, because, you know, they just haven't quite hit yet. I mean, you have some big ones, but, I mean, like there's probably a dozen actors that are in their own right, like – by will will become potential headliners or like key supporting actors that are just kind of mm-hmm. you know part you know like role players in the movie. So I I think that to me that's the sort of unsung hero of the movie is the is the ensemble. It,
1: it, I it, I was going to say I had legit had not even remembered that Brian Cranston was like the yeah, guy that gets yep. like the little notice not hair. I was like, "Oh shit, that's Brian Cranston." Yep. Like I didn't remember until the, this rewatch that I was Or, like, oh, or
0: Nathan Fillion is is the the first uh private ryan they find that it was the wrong guy
1: right oh from uh remember the titans no 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 no, no, right. no. That's, that's the deaf guy that's, that's the guy the who's got guy. the he's Can't got the...
0: uh nathan fillion he was in um uh serenity and and uh if he has like science fiction or whatever um Fire, firefly
3: no nobody are you saying words that it means
0: something? Nathan Fillion. anyway i couldn't believe, I, I didn't realize Go that was
3: oh nathan Fillion, <laughs> our boy you would know him if he's talking uh, i do know exactly no about. but um it's I Fillion. i, I think, remember the I first think, the first prime ryan the one was like, in felicity? maybe he's maybe, in maybe fel- they
1: got it wrong and my yeah. my brothers are the still ones. in grade school <laughs>
3: he's in felicity isn't he
0: he might have been he had a couple tv shows doesn't fucking matter anyway
3: <laughs> he's gonna felicity. be on the pod next week <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: serenity bro but um, what, what, Scotch what are you what are you shagging well
0: just real quick on that that oh. what was really cool was uh, Steven Spielberg was trying to get a relative unknown for the in that role of Ryan and so when he actually had Matt Damon signed up Good Will Hunting hadn't come out yet and and he'd done some other smaller movies but he wasn't really that was still known. just the
1: asshole from school times. and then
0: so while they were making the movie then it kind of blew up and then it's like oh shit well people know who he is now and damn so, it yeah I know but um So yeah, I was pretty much going to shag the same thing. Um, So I'll shag something different, which is um, the fact that all those actors they put them through a week boot camp, which um, taught them you know they slept three hours a night, fucking cold, wet, fucking to get them used to this whole thing, and um, they a bunch of them wanted to quit, and and Tom Hanks is like, no, we we, you guys are going to regret it for the rest of your life. You do, and so they, they really respected him as a person. And he basically talked him into staying. But the best part is, the thing I'm shagging is the fact that they didn't have Matt Damon do the boot camp because they all wanted, he wanted everybody to hate him for not having to go through the boot camp. Uh, oh,
3: really? That's pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah. yeah. That's it, a good call. By the way, um, Nathan Fillion is not in Felicity, but I <laughs> have made that mistake because he's in Waitress. Uh, with, oh. Uh, with Kerry uh, right, Russell. With, with Russell. Russell okay. And uh, so I was like yeah. transposing my bad. Okay. Bet.
1: Got it. All right,
2: snags. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snag. I'm going to kind of piggyback on Nate's, and uh, I'm going to snag Adam Goldberg. Mm. Dude, I fucking love him in almost everything that I see him in, including Friends, including Dazed and Confused, all the way to Saving Private Ryan, uh, freaking. He's so good. He's been a lot of stuff, yeah. He's so good, and he's like kind of nonchalantly good. me and i really like like his cadence and the way that he speaks it seems very realistic to me even though if somebody really talked like that i feel like it would be like (laughs) just ridiculous (laughs) but the way that he just kind of speaks is is crazy to me and i feel like he's a great dramatic actor and i fucking love him in this i love him in days confused and we've talked about that but um yeah
1: i like him a lot i think i saw that they said he uh when they did the the stabbing scene that there was a lot more like the the one take he wasn't like like quiet he was just like I don't want to die like like screaming and stuff yeah. mm-hmm. but instead they went with the more like kind of like reserved one where he just kinda ah. uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. no no so, no wait a minute wait a minute wait a wait wait a wait. Yeah, oh, it's it's brutal. Fuck. that oh. is that is
1: that is a wild wild oh, scene okay. for sure. Snaggin Scotch.
0: Uh I'm gonna uh, snag Modesto's own Harv Presnell who oh. is the general who sent them on this mission and half presnell um he was also in fargo as the the the, the dad this is the modesto fargo. guy he's from modesto Harf know presnell. That. he's in a, a, a paint, paint your wagon is a classic musical movie that he was in and uh so yeah and i just whatever he's uh he just kind of has this amazing presence and i just love the fact that he's a modesto boy
1: do you know what high school he went to i i don't so, That's
3: always important. I don't right? do High, he's old as fuck. I, to probably think market, right? I think he just got his GED. I don't think he... <laughs>
4: Who
3: knows? I don't know I
1: think. The School of Hard Knocks on McHenry Avenue.
3: Uh, <laughs> Nate, what are you snagging? Not to be super boring here, but I'm going to snag Tom Hanks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this isn't nearly his best role, and I don't know that even this role is particularly a great fit for him, but he's told. i mean he, he you know he doesn't he effectively does no wrong he he's he's great in this um and i think the fact that I, I think that this role is not exactly the right role for him still just shows like you know that he's got all the powers well he's, he's great
0: what well, well, the thing is like sometimes you see these like gung-ho macho leaders or whatever and it's like what i love about it is he's real he's a school teacher and he got called back into duty He's doing his thing and he he shows you that vulner- vulnerability he does his job but he's not this like you know he's not
2: you know, like a bad guy he has fucker. flaws Yeah,
0: and it's and it's fucking yeah. cool and Tom Hanks
1: is perfect for it's that perfect yeah all his little conversations i mean we we're talking about like i mean he he knows he's been responsible for the deaths of men right. and then just like trying to reduce that that's that's like his goal he's like i just want to not kill my men that's right basically my whole goal here um there's a great story though that tom hanks um as they were kind of wrapping up the the shoot they were doing the the church scene was like one of the last scenes they filmed and so they had a lunch break and and they went behind the church he took all the guys behind the church and he said he had a bottle of jack daniels he poured them all a shot and he's like hey i I, i've been to the editing room and uh i've seen what steven has cut so far and i've got good news and bad news and they're like, what's up? And he says, good news is we're making a pretty incredible film. And if the movie turns out like I think it's going to turn out, we're all going to be part of film history. He's like, this is a movie that we'll live on long after we're all gone. Generations will watch this movie after you've all passed. That's the good news. The bad news is that it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty epic. Like, that's that's, that's pretty awesome. But I, I like the idea of Tom Hanks with the bottle of Jack yeah. behind the church as they're, as they're filming. It seems like just... Seems like again, we always talk about Tom Hanks as kind of being like the dad of right. of America, and he he kind of is like yeah. he just seems like. It would be terrible if you found out that he did some, like, really fucked up, terrible I things. Know, well, like, be, I mean, if he's the dad of America,
2: have
3: you seen his actual kid? This Chet Hanks character? <laughs> oh, dude, he's in Shameless, and I'm watching it right now.
2: <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. That's the other
2: one. That's the other one that's a great. That's great. No, uh, um, Chet, Chet Hanks is the in fucking, Shameless. Oh, oh, yeah.
1: No, no, no. The other one's his brother, isn't it? it? The, the other no, no, one? No, there's no, another the ch- one that's his, actor. His, no, it, both it is, his he's sons. He's got
2: two sons. Colin. The, Colin, Colin is the one that's great. Chet is the one that's like covered in tattoos. He's not great. He's like he rap. He rap. He doing Jamaican rapping for a while. He's not great. He's like
3: it's not great. <laughs> he's oh, not oh, not terrible, but he, he's 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 kind of a well, a little bit of a one trick pony, and it's not that good a trick. <laughs> he was the rebel.
1: He's the rebel kid. I'm sure he'll end he's up being Shameless? a
3: decent person. Maybe who knows?
1: I didn't know he was an actor. That's All
2: amazing. right, amazing.
1: I'm going to snag. Uh, War movies as anti-war movies. And I think a lot of war movies, especially created today, are are definitely anti-war movies at their core. Mm -hmm. Um, This one, it kind of flirts on both ends. It kind of flirts on the patriotic side. It also kind of, obviously, the horrors of war that it shows, I mean, are very much anti-war. There's a scene at the beginning of the movie when um, they finally take over... The beach and Tom Hanks is sitting there and he sees those two soldiers stand up and they're surrendering and then the the, the Americans shoot them. Right, he's like, "Oh, look, I washed for supper." Um,
2: and he's like disappointed. He gives like this look, like well, "Oh yeah. fuck."
1: He does. And and actually, when you translate what those guys said, they were speaking Czech. They were Czech troops that had been basically forced to join the military by the Germans after the Germans took over Czechoslovakia. And so it's like, it's just a little hidden thing that you don't realize that that's essentially a war crime. They're not killing Germans. They're killing guys that probably weren't actually actively fighting. They were probably doing like digging uh, uh, toilets and stuff like that for the German army. Um, And again, just little things like that. That's obviously like just a war crime. I mean, that's just absolutely horrific in your face. And again, the the, the German troop, uh, uh, who they call uh, Steamboat Willie, when they when they capture him after fighting, uh, taking over the machine gun, it's like that whole situation. It's like, do we let him go? Do we kill him? Like it's right. it's it, it brings up all those tough questions that that people go through. And in again, just imagining yourself in those situations, like what would you do? And
2: those guys on the beach, though, they're like these guys just like they don't know, and they're like these people just killed fucking a million yeah. of us right behind us. You know what I mean? Yeah. All my friends.
1: Yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, the, no, yeah, they, they're drilling the anger and stuff. It's yeah. like, that's why I mean Tom Hanks doesn't run over there and arrest him or anything. He's not like I'm yeah. charging you with war crimes. He's right. just like, fuck. That would have changed. Sucks. That would
2: have changed the movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was just like, it turns into a, a war drama, like a lawyer, uh, uh, a war courtroom drama. Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> I'm testifying against you too. <laughs> yeah, a different movie for sure. All right, uh, body bags body bags body bags i'm going to start this one because it might be a longer conversation i just mentioned him uh the character they refer to is steamboat willie um betty gable nice scams that whole guy mm-hmm. uh i really and this hit me the first time i watched the movie and it still continues to bother me this day and, and maybe you guys have perspectives that change that up shooting that guy at the end was always my least favorite thing. Well, besides the whole like cemetery thing, it's my second least favorite thing in this movie because I wanted him to just kind of have to like deal with the fact that he let that dude get stabbed. He needs to just kind of be like, it it almost felt like it was a redemption that was unnecessary. Like I think it's more powerful if he just is like, I'm the guy that, was in the war, and I just had to deal with like being a kind of a. So
0: you didn't like the fact that it kind of vindicated a no of, redemption arc. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's like, I can kill too. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it was like, what was the what was the point? And now you could look at it maybe from the perspective that it's like it's like him just kind of hardening and it's like losing his humanity. But yeah. it just it seemed weird. Like why? He's like up him, and like he just shoots that guy, and then he like lets them all run off. He's like, "All right, get out of here!" Right. It was just I I didn't get the point.
3: So, so can I jump on this? Because I think my my body bag is a is a broader version of this, which is I don't like Spielberg's, and this is maybe what I got, what I mean by camp. Maybe that's not really what I mean. His inability to allow certain discomforts to just stand. Like, yeah, right. they're they're e- with everything from like the plot resolutions of certain things to the music that he chooses to use to the kind of like narratives that wrap things up and bookend like the cemetery. Like, it's not that he doesn't. I mean, obviously, he's comfortable with portraying heavy content in in heavy ways, but he's not super. He, he, it's I mean, it's a weird thing, weird take for me because I, I love a happy ending. But, but, we all? but there's a but there's a yeah, but I mean, I think dude. I, there's plenty of people who don't like happy. You don't like happy endings, Zach. War Are of the worlds about hey, Spielberg did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg did War of the Worlds and like the brother, like the spoiler, but the brother like dies. Uh-huh. But then it's like at the end, actually, he didn't die. He's there. Right. And it's and, like it's, and like, it's, it, it
3: seemed it, unnecessary. I was like, what the fuck? Well, it, I think you know, yours is like a really nice micro example of this, like broader trend, which is it's not that he does in every case. Like it doesn't resolve everything in every movie. Um, But I think this is what I mean about like movies that are supposed to be a little bit lighter and more fun that don't have the complexity of it. uh, I'm more comfortable with his style in terms of like the way that he resolves things. And in a movie like Private Ryan, it kind of neuters some of the, some of the seriousness of it to me by, you know, just insisting that these there's these points of redemption. There's these, these points of kind of heroicism that I don't know. I don't know. I just don't like, I don't, I don't like That's what I don't like about serious Spielberg, I think. And so it's not an overall criticism of him. It's just, he doesn't quite take it home in certain places where I want him to.
2: Zach body bag. I talked about it earlier and I will double down. Uh, I shagged the opening scene, but I just don't like that weird slow-mo that they do mm-hmm. like there's lots of things to body bag from this movie in my opinion and lots of like fluff. I think my other body bag would probably be like this movie could be two hours, but there's a lot of fluff. Mm. There's a lot of like mm-hmm. long, like shots of the mom kind of like washing the dishes, waiting for the car to come up the driveway, which I get what they're trying to do. But I, th- I feel like there's a lot of fluff, but I just don't like Watching it now, I think in the, in the theater at the time when I watched that opening scene, it never like occurred to me. And Gladiator did the same thing with that weird slow-mo. And I think maybe it was just like sort of a product of what they were doing during that time in, in film. But uh, I don't like it. It dates it, and it kind of took me out of it a little bit.
0: One thing that's always bothered me about this is, and I, and I remember watching it when I f- first saw it, was... So this is based on a true story, kind of. It, it, so there was right. there's there was, some truth. Yeah, There's some truth to it. The, the Nyland brothers from New York, and you know that whole story. You know, definitely lost a couple of brothers. One of them was shot down, presumed dead. And then he was, he did parachute into the wrong spot. But he ended up. He heard about them and was kind of searching for him, whatever. So, based on kind of a true story. And then the, my problem with this is, how the fuck did word get back so fast? to these ladies on these typewriters and then that one lady's walking around and, and like they don't have computers. They have like paper everywhere and she sees a name and, that, and she just happens to remember Ryan or whatever. And like it didn't – I didn't Great. understand how they got it so fast and it was D-Day plus three when they got the mission. So they're across <laughs> the fucking ocean. So three within three days in World War II, we're supposed to believe that they discovered this thing and then they – Got the mission to these guys, and like, I don't know. Just it never sat right with me, and it always bugs me how quickly they got that. That they, they they discovered that Ryan was dead on the beach. You know, there's fucking thousands of dead bodies on the beach, and they found it. And anyway, so that was my biggest issue with it.
1: And and on that same note, the the Lincoln letter that the general pulls out, right? The Modesto guy pulls yeah, out. Hard uh He. Uh, 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 lincoln talked about five soldiers that all died uh-huh. they ended up finding out that two of the kid the guys were deserters they weren't actually dead oh, really? and another one was a prisoner of war and was still alive so out of the five that brothers that allegedly died in the civil war yeah three of them were actually still alive so only two had died out of the the five brothers so, <laughs> <laughs> so lincoln lincoln i mean it's 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 an actual letter, letter yeah. but it, it ended up being actual bullshit. So.
2: so Lincoln
3: Lincoln needs to check his sources before he writes his shit down. That's yeah. what yeah. you're telling yeah. me. You yeah. Dude, you should hear about all the shit in the Gettysburg Address that's bunk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, all right. Well, that's all of our Shag Snag body bag. I think it's time to uh, – everybody body bagged, right? Yep. 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 All right. Let's move on to our next category.
0: Which button is it? Which is it? This one. Oh. Crackle, Pluto, HBO, find anime on Crunchyroll. Peek on Hulu, Disney, Netflix, Doobie, Sling TV. Shudder, Shudder, Boobo. What the fuck is Boobo? I'm sure it'll cause a sensation. It's a streaming recommendation.
1: Streaming recommendation times. We're about to tell you a a movie you can watch after watching Saving Private Ryan that maybe uh, hits us the same way or has some type of similarity. What you got here, Nate?
3: So you kind of said it, and I like the way you put it that like Saving Private Ryan flirts with both sides. It's kind of anti-war, but also kind of you know indulges the heroism of of you know when you're pushed, you kind of you 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 do what you need to do. And uh, the movie Thirteen Hours, uh, the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I think when I first was gonna watch this, I expected it to be kind of I don't know just.
1: A little jingoistic, like
3: yeah, something, yeah, and and I and I thought it was like it was, you know, it maybe it was a little bit that way, but it but it was both a little more complex in terms of its message, and also just kind of like fun in a weird way. I mean, it's like a really entertaining. Watch the war scenes are heavy, but not nearly as heavy as the opening of Private Ryan, but. I just I I find myself wanting to return to it a lot as a as an example of a kind of unconventional war movie that I like a lot. So it's on Paramount Plus and you should watch it if you haven't seen it. I have not. You, guys are, you guys are all terrible. I will Good never I will, <laughs> That's definitely that's like, you're, like you're, the
2: exact movie that I will never watch. You're a terrible
3: person.
1: <laughs> I mean I, mean, I'll, I I'll, never, you. I'll never forget Benghazi, so you just, don't I, know.
2: I I love uh a lot of things and <laughs> Real, you do <laughs> real life war movies that happened while during
3: the time I was alive. I'm just like I'm out. Well, you read about it probably in the news and stuff. So.
2: No,
1: not really. <laughs> Scotch back. What are you <laughs> streaming, my friend? Um,
0: I'm going to stream something. It's a, actually a limited series. It's not a movie, but uh, oh, shit. it's it's just I know where you're going. one of my all time. Just I just it's so fascinating. It's so good. Band of Brothers on HBO Max. And it's you know with Memorial Day coming up, it's it's usually playing all day long on the couple channels. It seems like, and and so it's just a just an absolutely fantastic cast, amazing, amazing um, accounts of um, Easy Company, and uh, yeah, one of the one of the most you know prolific outfits that there ever was in, in the war. So,
1: did you did you enjoy the Pacific as well? <sighs> that was a rough watch. It was brutal. A little bit different. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It it was it was good. And I did not. I don't think I've rewatched it one time. And I've watched Band of Brothers the entire series
1: multiple times. And Band I, of Brothers focuses a lot more just on Easy Company versus right. the the Pacific was like branched off between three different yeah. like main characters. So I so. think the
3: same people that made those two are also are coming out with one that's on about the Airborne Division. Okay, sure. So it's coming pretty soon, I think. Yeah. All right,
1: uh, Zach, what you streaming, my friend? This
2: was an easy one for me because when I think of war movies. And when I think of Denise Richards,
4: <laughs>
2: I think of Starship Troopers, the 1997 Paul Verhoeven, just absolute That's a awesome documentary, wasn't it? killer of a movie. It's based on a great book, a series of books. Um, and, uh, I mean, you've got Casper Van Dean, one of the most handsome men on the planet. You've got, uh, Denise Richards, probably the best looking woman. Don't sleep ever. on Dina Meyer. Yes, you've got Dina Meyer just fucking with her curly hair, rocking it. And, uh, Anybody can watch it on Netflix.
0: Neil Patrick Harris, dude. You forgot about
2: NBA. What
1: about, what's his name's son? Looking like exactly like his, like, the exact same as his dad. Um, Jake Busey. Oh, Busey. Jake Busey. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Busey. <laughs> <laughs> so Busey.
2: Carbon it, it, copy of his Cl- dad.
0: Clancy Brown is the drill sergeant. Clancy Brown's Brown. Oh,
2: good one. 19, Medic. 1997. If you're 13 years old and a boy, <laughs> pull this up on Netflix and oh, watch it so right good. now. It's you a will, wild one. Or, you will appreciate it. Or... A woman who likes boobies, which there are many. Uh, I feel like I feel like this is a boy movie.
0: The only good bug is a dead bug.
2: Yeah, uh, all the the crazy <laughs>
1: propaganda, like it's the so social funny. media, like there's there's a lot of things that are like ahead of its time, oh, yeah. and. Very much like criticisms of, of like uh, the war machines and things like that. So.
2: Not even that, like just like the crazy sports that they play Dude, it's a, on their home planet. It's oh, a much yeah. just, like it's a, a much deeper
0: shit. movie than yes. you think. And
1: Brazil's like yeah. the like the center of like the the the, the, the world now. Like, Buenos Aires yeah, is where they're from. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why they're all speaking English and everything. I don't who know. Who knows what's going on? So go watch it. It's a much more serious
2: watch than uh right. than Saving Private Ryan. Heavy. But real heavy if you're into something some heavy fucking serious shit, go watch this movie. In group showers. Coed hey. in
1: showers. Um I'm going to go ahead and stream, I mean, stream, I'm going to go ahead and recommend uh, A League of Their Own. It's on Netflix, and I'm talking about the movie. Jesus Christ. And you might think, like, what the hell? We just <laughs> talked about Saving Private Ryan, but there's a scene in Saving Private Ryan that kind of brings back a little bit of memory of uh, of A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own obviously takes place during World War
3: II. No, it's the same universe, yeah. 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 But literally, it's the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you helping me out or what? Jimmy what? Jimmy, whatever
1: his
2: name is, his twin brother is
1: like <laughs> captain in the uh Jimmy Dugan. Yeah, Jimmy uh, Dugan. Yeah, yeah, he's got his his brother uh over there fighting his twin brother. Um but no, Betty finds out that her husband's dead and she gets the letter, and like it's it's kind of the thing because like uh a couple of them are not sure what happened to their husbands, and then uh I think it's Dottie. Or no, no, it's not Dottie, it's it's Gina Davis thinks that her husband might be gone. Oh
0: yeah, Bill Bill Pullman.
3: Well, Betty's husband was killed trying to save Private Ryan. Right. Yes. He was at Rommel. A few people don't. Betty Spaghetti
0: was married to Tom Hanks?
3: Yep. I I think so. That's a fact. Wow. Captain. Not what? even. I mean, the eyes. Name her the actor. <laughs>
1: <know>. <laughs> anyway, but no. I it just it, that scene Kit. where she finds out. It's 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 very much like. Uh, oh, brutal. It's brutal yeah. and and it's almost as thing. bad as when Kit
2: gets hit when she's playing catcher and she gets hit what the Unreal the and drops the Dude, ball on purpose. She drops the ball and I'm just like, this is exactly <laughs> like when that guy got stabbed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> Betty Spaghetti is uh, Rob Reiner's daughter, though.
1: Okay.
3: Who's I did not know that? know that. Who's Robert? Son
1: of a bitch! I knew. <laughs> and but her—that would mean her grandpa's Oh, you Carl, mean Carl? Right?
3: You mean Carl Reiner's granddaughter? I don't. Yeah, yeah. Carl Reiner, the son.
1: <laughs> all right, that's it for uh, Any recommendations. <laughs> Let's move on. Giggles. No jet watch for Maverick. Meg still on that goose stick. list Titanic. Leo's drawing that nude shit. Jim fucks Nadia like we all thought he should and Doughboy get the fuck out the hood. Luke hooks up with Leia just like he's intending. It's time for a reshuffle and alternate endings.
3: Alright, in honor of <laughs> Memorial Day, I'm not going to do Saving Private Ryan till dawn.
0: Ooh. I think it's probably a good choice. I was thinking about it. And I was wondering how the hell you would do it.
3: But I'm going... I'm not, but I'm going to go dark anyway. Oh, Oh the way to get rid of the my my discomfort with spielberg Private Ryan dies oh okay like uh-huh. i mean this is the that's that's the obvious ending to this movie or he's like already dead or they get him and then he dies well that that no, would they, it, they find him and yeah, then, like and then he dumb. dies I that, like, that would put it like like fully that a in like the anti-war movie war movie well yeah i mean i, I guess i think I'm not sure about that in the sense that that I don't think it, it it's not an anti-war movie wholeheartedly. It's just it really returns to the beginning of the movie where like fucking shit's horrific the and like realities. lots of times there's just senselessness here, and and a lot and a bunch of people die trying to save this one guy that they don't save, and and war doesn't care about oh this is your fourth it, son it, it doesn't there yeah it doesn't care oh right? I like, like that yeah so so I think you know you can still say look like. I mean, I think the under the undercurrent here, and I and, and Dan talked about it. At the end of the day, right? There might be things that just need to be done, and let's forget about the patriotism for a second, right? Like the fucking madman trying to take over the world and kill a bunch of people in terrible ways, right? Like somebody had to step up, you know. Like you, there has to be, you know, and, and there, you know, and there's enormous cost to to that. But I think maybe part of it is like it sanitizes that cost a little bit. By having s- private Ryan saved, uh, it gets away from the horrificness of the beginning of the movie. I want to see him die in a really like terrible way. Oh yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know, or maybe even in a very simple way, like in a kind of almost like tragic, you know, Llewellyn dying at the end of no country, right? It's like it happens in just this. It just like, happens. In in a, in right. Ryan's, Ryan's yeah.
1: the guy that runs up. He likes his fuse too early on the, the greasy socks. It oh. just blows up. Gone. <laughs> That's the, that scene's still wild. The and guy's it, like, "Hey, my fuse is... T- oh no, I'm
2: gone." Oh, it'd be yeah. dope if he gets shot, falls into the ocean, and then a boat comes by and picks him up, and he can't remember who he was. <laughs>
3: He's born. Oh, and then it's the Born Identity 1955, <laughs> same universe. He gets cryogenically frozen. So, well, so
1: if we if we're doing mashups, I've got my own mashup here. Oh, really? When the half track gets blown up by the bazooka when they first find <laughs> Private Ryan. <laughs> I
2: hope you
3: don't steal my mask. We're going to mix
1: it up because it's not actually Private Ryan, but it's the goddamn Lieutenant Aldo Rain and the Bastards. Oh, okay.
3: oh yes.
1: And they go – Captain Miller, you know, he's got some questionable judgment. He he did some things that pissed off his men, and he almost lost them at one point, but he he's Tom Hanks, so he's able to talk them back into his, onto his side. But they need a true mission. They need an actual mission. You know, Aldo Rain and the Bastards have a mission – and it's killing Nazis. Mm-hmm. And so they just like, hey, this is what we do. And the guys are like, fuck Private Ryan. This sounds like way more like accomplishment. Like this is going to actually this is, this help us win justice. the war. Yeah. Let's go ahead and go fight with the bastards. And yeah, so these Rangers join up with the bastards. And they just go fuck shit up and, and win the war.
2: Love it. That's dope. That's not the mashup I was going for. So I'm going to go prequel. So we've got World uh, War One. Yeah, well no, it's it's uh it's Tom Hanks. It's the same movie. Uh and then Hanks, you know, he he gets to come home and uh he Wait, goes, not a
1: prequel then you're talking about. A-
2: it's this is the movie but it's going to be a prequel. Let me get there. Oh shit. So so Hanks okay. Hanks gets to come home and he shows up, he's a little shell-shocked, he's a little fucked up and he goes and stays at a at a young woman's uh, you know, sort of uh, you know hotel bed and breakfast in uh, oh, Greenbow, God. Alabama <laughs> oh. and uh, he might bang Sally, a young Sally Field and uh, have a slightly dim-witted son <laughs>
3: Oh. And this is the and Forrest that's, Gump that's origin how, story. That's how Forrest Gump <laughs> is uh, is brought to us. <laughs> okay. A, well, no, no. Can I can I pivot? Just I kind love intervene. I, whatever you need. He comes home. He, so he's a teacher. The timing in actually almost. I know the timing works, works perfect. <laughs> no, he's a teacher in Greenville, Alabama, that hooks up with Sally Field, and then is shipped off. Forrest never knew his dad. Exactly. No, but I thought you were saying he comes home. Oh, I see. He comes home and then yeah, he goes off to war. Yeah, because he comes home in like 1946 yes, or something. got it. Like that, yeah. Or whatever it is. He's no, saying no,
1: he, he, no, he's saying he doesn't. He's saying Captain Miller doesn't
3: die. And yeah, no. What yeah. I'm saying is, oh, maybe he Captain bangs her, her right dies. before he leaves. Well, well, we right, know, well, he's back there teaching.
0: Well, we know that she likes to bang like teachers, teachers Educator, and stuff, educators. to get, yeah, educators. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, she bangs him too to get good grades. Oh, maybe that's
3: okay. But Forrest's already alive. Maybe maybe she bangs him to get his her for us older sibling that we don't ever meet. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No? Uh, his older,
1: oh, Billy up his Billy. older his older sibling Billy Gump. Uh,
2: fucking Billy. Valley Billy. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Billy <laughs> I had a younger brother named Billy Billy, okay. Billy was smart. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out a way to make, uh, to make him force dad. I that we think don't that, worry works. About. that works. Yeah, I think it works. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah. yeah. Obviously, Capitano has works to pretty good. Yeah, That's
1: pretty legit.
0: So I know you guys don't like the, the beginning and the end. But in mine, we're going to keep it exactly the same with the beginning and the end in the cemetery. Okay, But at the end, when he turns to his wife and says, am I a good person? And she, you know, he says something else. And she, goes, she goes, "No, you're a good person. You wouldn't have cheated on me with Eunice Miller." And starts fucking nagging at him, and starts fucking going off on him. And how I, I was like, "Well, you and just and all of a sudden it kind of fades back. You can't really see." And she's
3: anything. just giving she's him just shit. Giving him the Never shit. It's up. like
0: you're a piece of shit. And all of a sudden you hear a gunshot.
1: I oh, gosh! Oh, but but it, but it goes dark. And we don't know if he killed himself. Yeah, or if he we don't. Her. Or he killed, or if he her. killed her. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah.
3: and then don't stop believing, Source playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of a sudden it's The Sopranos. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Ending. Oh,
1: I think we've uh, we've been tempting fate here as far
3: as like our crossing we, lines. Our and respect.
1: Stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
3: but I, you know what? I, you're right. I'm sorry. I never meant to disrespect The Sopranos like that. Yeah. My, David my, Chase, you asshole. The
2: only other, the only other way I wanted to take it was that somehow I wanted to bring Affleck into the universe, or like uh, Affleck oh, was yeah. gonna like they would find them and then they would come out and then fucking somehow Affleck was the real.
1: Predator, Affleck right? could have played Steamboat Willie. Um, <laughs> how, how much of that take you out the movie if Affleck was like the German? <laughs> Betty Gable, nice games. <laughs>
4: Does
1: he have a fucking accent? <laughs> he has a Boston accent uh, for some reason. That one, That <laughs> was
4: Jesus Christ.
3: you one of those Boston Germans. Well, <laughs> well, nice games. Well, I think. <laughs> he, he, that was like an, it, he was like part of the Italian Boston yeah, crowd, exactly. though. It was not, that was not a traditional. <laughs> <laughs> he's not from Southie. No question. Not from Southie. Oh, man. Well, uh, well, you know, a lot, of cross- a lot of crossover potential here for other franchises. Oh, geez. Well, this is what
1: you get with being uh, the you K- know podcast. <laughs> <say> right podcast <laughs> I do
3: not envy your editing job here because yeah, there's, there's going be to be 25 things out. you're going to have to cut out. Yeah,
1: I'm going to have to kind of focus on this one, I think.
3: <laughs> a lot of laughing at the death of others. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys think of anything that you want me to take out, just, you know, Hit me a just cut most of the second half of the show. <laughs> right. Maybe the first half too. Maybe we should just not release an episode. <laughs> hey, <laughs> next week we're going to do a draft.
2: Yeah, it's going to be most
3: memorable
2: battle yep. movie war movie. Scene most memorable movie. I mean, war I mean, scene. Throw in all a movie. those words
1: you want, but it's just—he's very simple. Yeah. Most memorable war scene in a movie.
2: Yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and we're gonna we're gonna we'll, we're gonna see we'll how it goes. It out.
1: We'll we'll argue it out, and and Lieutenant Dan will be back to to judge us. Ltd. Um, the scotch Bet coming off of a victory last week mm-hmm. in questionable circumstances, Yeah. Always um, and, and old shitass ass over here <laughs> <laughs> he
3: needs to That's get me. back in the game He's
1: back to a uh, shit break to get back on the horse, <laughs> yeah. shit, brick, break, shit break. <laughs> I love that you settled that. Cause that is something I really imagined
3: for 25 years. I'll never break accept it. It's, not shit break. <laughs> it's definitely shit. Break. I'm never shit accepting break. it.
1: It makes a hundred percent sense.
3: Just complete. like I'll never accept that it's not big. Look at the big brain on Brad. I'll never accept that. I have an. Yeah, amazing, I don't care if his name's Brett. I have an amazing. He calls him Brad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have an amazing shitbreak break story. When we ever do American Pie, you guys have to remind me to tell my shitbreak break story because I have a fucking great one. I don't have
3: much
1: that much longer to wait. We're, we're probably within the next six, seven movies. We Maybe. do know Maybe that soon. I don't
2: think so. We do know a guy who's in a band that had a
3: song on the soundtrack that never made it on the soundtrack. <laughs> That's American Pie 2. Oh, my. And be. it yeah. is on the soundtrack. It just did not make it in the movie. movie. Allegedly. Got, oh, is they, that what they, it was? It was on dolls. the soundtrack, but
2: not on the movie. Yeah.
3: Yes. I got, fucking,
2: got, I got fucking paid, though, bitch.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she only likes me when I'm high. June 24th, that's
1: get that. your tickets, eventbrite.com. I'll bet, I'll bet
3: they'll play that. I'll bet they'll play that song. I have a few
0: think? I have a feeling we might. I okay. think I'm,
3: smoky yeah. screen. Are you going to play the 18-minute the, the version? Because
2: oh. that's my favorite version. Oh, yeah. If you do the long interlude oh, where slow. Matt where Matt like stops and sits down and has a drink and then stands Backs back up the and then continues
0: it. The length of songs and, and breaks in between are definitely – the, the, it depends on how many drinks he's
1: what percentage of gigs have you played smokescreen twice
0: oh not very many not anymore that
1: was early that yeah. was
0: very early on the very first night we ever played this only played it three times wow <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 including back to back and that was at charlie's, crazy, right? at, wow. <laughs> at, Char- at charlie's yeah, the first I night we played that. it yeah people were fucking were freaking out it was, weird. It was so weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: all right fellas should we wrap this up because i'm gonna go to bed and i'm not even gonna clean up the equipment it's late as fuck <laughs> i'm literally i'm walking inside the second you hit the button and okay to bed. i All love right. you guys
1: what do you want to uh we'll talk about uh, what you want to unfortunately what? we haven't been recorded? what do you mean what i want to do bye-bye <laughs> wait have we been recorded no shut your mouth bye-bye bye-bye
2: bye-bye I can grab your favorite podcast Let's start this